welcome to episode 341 of TechSync, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Well, hello there, Jason. You have you you have been on vacay, a very nice vacation, I believe. I am. It's like the first in like two and a half years. <laughs> what the? Well, like, was it one of these all expenses paid ones, or all expenses certainly weren't paid, <laughs> except by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, all the, oh, sorry, the all you can eat, I should say. No, 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 no. We um we we went to a couple different places. We went up to uh, Seattle and Portland. We had never Sandy and I had never been to the Pacific Northwest, and so we thought, well, you know, where can we go? We you know we had initially thought of going to Europe and stuff, but U- UK it, it had like a quarantine to anyone coming in, and so that was off the table. And yeah, and, uh, we thought, you know, why don't we why don't we go up the to Seattle, Portland, and we, we kind of were doubling it with like a college tour for Colby. Um, oh, he has no particular. Huh. He he's not really thinking about colleges, even though he's going to a senior year. It's not something that's on his <laughs> radar, much to Sandy's okay. frustration. Um, so we thought, well, you know, University of Washington has you know like the sixth ranked computer science program in the country, and uh, I thought, okay, so why don't we take a look at the University of Washington then, <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's still pretty hard to get into that program. I mean, it's like, I, I think getting into college itself isn't super hard, you know, it's as a state university, but their computer science program, it's like a 10% acceptance rate. So that's that's pretty competitive. Um, but we figure, well... So was it like a road trip? No, no, it's too far to drive, or at least at more than we wanted to drive. I think it would like two days to get up to Seattle probably. So we, uh, we flew up to Seattle and we went to... Um, you no, know, did the Space Needle and, uh, you know, what the, was it the Museum of, I don't know, it was like pop culture and movies and stuff and did that kind of stuff. Went to the University of Washington and then we uh, we had rented a car and so then we drove down to uh, Portland and we were going to go see the University of Oregon and then we realized it was a little too far away on the day we had planned to go there and back in time to get our, catch our flight. And so what we ended up doing uh, is we, we saw... I said, well, what, 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 and I was thinking, like, what college or university are near Portland? And so one was Reed College, which is where Steve Jobs went, if, oh, yeah, right. or for a year until he dropped out. And it's like this little, it's this little private liberal arts college, you know, they have 1,200 under, uh, 1,200 students, so it's not, it's about as small as they get. And uh, it was yeah. kind of interesting to go there and see it. And then now uh, we went and uh, saw Lewis and Clark, which is a uh, college or something, which is down the street. It's another small ones okay. and i so i it was funny we we're walking i mean colby was kind of not into it <laughs> he's like well i'm not gonna go to school here <laughs> i'm like well let's just <laughs> let's just let's just take a look and see what a liberal arts college campus is like you know we went to university of washington that has like thirty thousand undergrads or something another 20 or thirty thousand graduate students okay that's big right let's go see what yeah you know, and so we're walking around. He's just kind of a grumpy. Like, I'm going to go school anyway, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not the point. And I was like, just get a sense of it. And so, um, uh, you know, which is funny because so, so we now have three teenagers, right? A 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old. So we definitely have the grumpy teenager thing going on. Awesome. You know? That's just the perfect time what for that. What are we doing this? <laughs> You know, this is a waste of time. <laughs> like, we just have a little bit of positive attitude, you know, and um, you know, it was, it was all right, you know. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't. Uh, anyway, that the whole college thing is a whole other conversation, which might be interesting to talk about. But we, um, the other th- the things that we did that do that were pretty fun when we were in Washington. We went and did the, the we went to the orcas, the killer whales, 
went on a like a whale watching thing. Nice. Yeah. Over to the Puget Sound, which was really pretty and really, uh, you know, it was pretty fun. I would give that about a six and a half, seven on the on a scale of ten in terms of fun. Mm. You're just sitting there, even though you're out in the beautiful ocean and sun. See, you're still just sitting there, right? Um, yeah. And uh, but what we did, I think, whatever was favorite was we went whitewater rafting outside of Portland. Oh, sweet. So that was like a two and a half hour, and they had like um, I think it was I think it was like level four, level three. I don't know if they call them levels or whatever, but it got pretty crazy there. And then we went down to like a like a fifteen or twenty foot waterfall, I think maybe it's more than that. Um, at the end, which was like a level five, which is pretty crazy. Uh, wait a second. How big was the boat? <laughs> <laughs> How many people did you did it fit in the boat? I think a boat could fit. Well, if they had like, the rafts, right? So I think it fit yeah. maybe seven or eight. We had like uh, five of us and our and our guide in the back. You know, he's he's huh. kind of like telling us what to do. Okay, everybody, this is what we're gonna do, and do this your paddle. You know, practicing it as we're going down. Okay, now we're getting to this thing, and if you fall in, then this do this do that. So, did anyone fall in? No, no. Um, oh, okay. So it wasn't like a fifteen foot straight drop no was it was it? it was a straight drop but you know if you if you huh. do it right and you hold on correctly you, <laughs> you know everything You've goes got well the speed. you sort of got the speed like yeah, this yeah yeah okay i see you know if I everything see. goes well you shouldn't but you know as i talk as i was asking it's like how often does it turn over he's like well you know pretty regularly so you know he said i just the other day i ended up in in there so um that was fun so yeah it was it was it was good you know it was good you know hadn't been on a vacation in a long time and you know Ate way too much food, so now I'm like, I need, I'm gonna need to be like on a food detox for the next two weeks. Who who was looking after the dogs, or did you bring them with? So um, Justin, who works with me on the math academy oh, stuff, right, he right. he stayed here and took care of the dogs. Oh so nice. We ha- we okay. We have sort of a built-in house sitter dog sitter, so that was That's that was cool. all good. We get our daily updates about the dogs so that was everything like what are the dogs doing and i'm like well, they're doing fine so i get the f- <laughs> that's what colby was interested in right? <laughs> yeah well particularly yeah every everybody's can't wait to see pictures of the dogs and stuff i'm like you see them every day like <laughs> so are you is he gonna go for to a college like somewhere across the country like is that is that a done deal or do you want him to go sort of closer and oh i want him to go where he wants to go you know i mean it's his life it's like whatever he wants to do um Things that he says, he wants to go somewhere that's not hot. <laughs> you know, he, 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 I think he's been a little bit spoiled by the persistent sunny warm weather of Southern California. So he's ready to try out not hot. Yeah. I didn't wait till you get like six or seven years <laughs> of like eight month winters and you're just like, okay, I've had enough of this, you know, like I did in Chicago. <laughs> but, um, all right. I, I think so. He wants, I think he'd, he'd ideally like a place where he could go snowboarding. You know, because ah. um, that's one of his favorite things to do. He'd really like to go to either play a division three where he could probably play football or division, a big division, these big division one schools that have the, you know, like USC and stuff that have really competitive division one programs. What sometimes also have is a club football team. So, and when you have 30,000 undergraduates, you can still put together a, an extremely competitive club football team that's. You know that would be maybe comparable to a division. So he's not ha- aiming for like the division, the top, the top of that well, stuff. But he's that's you got to be, you really got to be much. something special to play division yeah. one. I mean, I think like I can't remember what it was, but if you took like three or four high schools, you might get like one kid out of those four high schools would go division one per year. Okay, yeah, you know, 
So, right, you got to be not not just like the best kid on your team, not just the best kid that year, but like, you know, it's <laughs> the best kid in full school. Like that people have been talking about for yeah. years. Yeah, that kid, yeah, that, he, he's yeah. You know, that you got to be really something special and he's okay. a year young for his grade and a late grower, so I think he you know, isn't isn't really come close to peaking, so. But the other thing of course what he really wants is a really good um computer science program stem okay. may math yeah. computer science so i don't know i think carnegie mellon would be the ideal place if he could get in mm. but that's okay you know they have one of the top five computer science programs but it's really really competitive um i don't really know if there's any skiing up there so um but they have yeah. division three football it's cold pittsburgh is or yeah pittsburgh is cold um the other ones we're looking at are for him are like that i think would be good like university of colorado boulder would probably be a good a backup school you know, it's astonishing to think that when we first started talking, he was like seven. I know, it's like sixteen. Going same on age as Jack is now, basically. It goes now seventeen. Fast like, man, that is crazy. That is crazy. Difference. Yeah, I mean, I I think about it all the time. It's just so so weird. I mean, again, he's a great. I feel like we lost a year because we started him a year early in school. So I feel like we he really should be going to eleventh grade. Not only in term maturity wise, but also for like I think we need one more year with him. You know, yeah, it feels a, it feels yeah. a little rushed. Everything, but um, that's just how things worked out with you know preschool and kindergarten. But um, weird, yeah, it starts that early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. We have talked a little bit about having uh having take like a gap year, and cause oh, that would be nice. Yeah, so the plot pl- the pl- pros would be okay if he got a job working as like a low level coder somewhere, right? You know, make some money. Yeah could spend the year maturing a little bit right <laughs> growing up a little bit um i think with well, the com- interacting with real people right yeah well the combination for the because com- you're not real people not a real person i'm an avatar <laughs> <laughs> um on zoom pretty much no so he i think i think the combination this generation has been is growing up more slowly than we did they don't drive as early they don't date as early they don't drink as early i mean all the things that we did well, we were, yeah. so they're not doing till two or three years later, it seems like. I, I don't know the exact number, but I'd, I've noticed that myself that these kids seem younger, you know, than their 16 year olds seem like fit 14 year olds in terms of, you know, like nobody has a girlfriend, <laughs> nobody has driving, yeah. like nobody's like, I, you guys, like, there's, they're all sitting at home playing video games all day. And they're staying at home much, much longer, you know, like it's, you know, seeing a 35 year old at home is like a typical. Well, that's kind thing. of sad, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, you are seeing yeah. people come back from college living at home, which I don't think is an ideal situation for for most people. I think most parents are like, mm, you know. But it's I mean the house it's the housing costs is like crazy. That's yeah, you know? part of it. But I mean that's a slightly different thing. The after college going back and living at home because you probably didn't major in something, you didn't get the skills you needed to get a job and. You know, I mean, some maybe say, hey, yeah. well, I just want to go and save some money and help my parents. I mean, there yeah, are, there yeah, are, yeah. everybody has reasons. There are some that are good reasons and stuff. But um, but the whole, like, where they are on the maturity scale, 17, 18, to where kids were 15, 20 years ago before all the social media and everything was online. Oh, yeah. I just feel like it's, I feel like they're at least a year behind in that in that way. Now, I guess if everybody's year behind, it's just like, okay. But again, I feel yeah. like Kobe's a year young. The whole pandemic, losing a year and a half of socialization. You know what I mean? It feels like I, when I went in, because I was a year older than him. Well, because I think it's, I think it, society sort of gets younger. Like, 
that you know you've heard the expression 60 is the new 40 40 is the new 30 you know what i mean like so i think society just gets younger over time because life lifespan grow, goes up and then also because we get we get more um more sort of touchy feely you know more pc i think that all adds to it so basically because we're because we're so pc then they that's what that's part of the reason why they're dating later for example what, what do you think like i'm not i'm not i'm not sure the ca- i see the causation there what what to expand on that a little bit well i think i think like because they're so this is just this is just a jv thought mm-hmm. so just just listen to it <laughs> but i'm just thinking right okay JV look thoughts. because they're okay. so they're made they're made so aware of like you know me too and tension and stuff like that I think they're all scared but they're like no 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 i don't want any of that i don't want to go anywhere near that yet yeah you know, they're just like i'm just gonna hold back a little bit <laughs> there might be that i think there's a lot more helicopter parenting over scheduling okay. parenting over involvement um honestly i what i think is so here yeah here's i'll, I'll give my you know my theory on it which is I, I i and i think i've started to read that like i'm not the only one who's thinking this but um when everything went on social media, where all the kids started going on social media and everything's online, kids don't have to get together as much to be together, right? You don't have to go yeah. hang out with your friends. You're already hanging out with them. In fact, you have to go anywhere, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you're on Instagram or you're on some kind of Discord or whatever, and you're just chatting back and forth. And, um, you know, I, like with Colby and his, his buddies, like they play video games online all the time with Valorant yeah. or Overwatch or whatever the heck the game of the of the month is and that is like the most fun thing for them to do i mean to i mean imagine having these first person immersive first person shooters with these awesome graphics and these and all these gamer chairs and double monitors and super fast graphics cards and real-time video with their friend i mean it's like what could be more fun than that it turns out like nothing (laughs) like that is the most fun (laughs) and it's like so what am i gonna do go hang out at your house and watch you play or we're going to go and what what are we going to do like nothing hanging out is going to be as fun as as these real time video games are for these for a lot of these kids at least for the but boys dude, it starts early i mean so jack now still not just about to turn 7 i mean we're doing at least an hour a day with friends play date on roblox yeah. And they are having so much fun. And it's like completely social, completely interactive. Like kids screaming. So he has a play date with two girls every day. And he has the time of his life. It's so much fun. Yeah. So so and imagine... It's just going to continue. Like, it does. And, and and so imagine... So let's say they get a little bit older. Where you don't, they don't have play dates. You're not supervising or arranging it. They're just doing it on their right. own. Which is what my kids do. Yeah. And um, you're like, hey, do you want to go hang out? And they're like, well, last time we did, we just... <laughs> just didn't really do much right it's boring like you know it's fun is playing the video game so it's not like back in our days in the night you know in the 80 well not really in our days but little little kids sort of the generation slightly older or younger than us would do like land parties everybody bring their computers up hook them up and play doom or quake or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. So you don't have to do that anymore yeah. right it's all on the internet and everybody has their high powered yeah. machines and high and super fast internet so so yeah so i you know i feel like when you have that there's not a lot of incentive to go hang out. So they're not meeting, they're not having socialization, they're not having, you know, so it's like for him, guys, I'm like, do you ever talk to girls? <laughs> I mean, just, or, there's no like, uh, you know, back in our day, they're like, ah, they're gonna be girls there. And, you know, it's just kind of, you know, you're kind of growing into the dating thing because you're around them and kind of, you know, 
flirting so a little bit. So when is the opportunity going to be to to like socialize and learn? Well, what? you know, it's funny. At Sandy and I were joking about this. <laughs> that there should be like a, a a date where moms set up blind dates. They arrange with each other. <laughs> it's <kinda> like. <laughs> I, I can't remember the name we had for it, but it was like the moms. Oh, like a show. Yeah, it'd be like, like hey, this show. is just like, no, just like a, like the moms would be like, look, you know, my daughter or my son just needs to get some practice. <laughs> like we're going to, they're, they're going to do it. And the moms can arrange, okay, my son's going to pick your daughter up at seven. They're going to go eat down at the <laughs> California for Pete's kitchen. And they're going to go see this movie and then he'll have her home by 11. And like, it'll be like a, just practice, right? Just like, can you learn how to talk? To someone else on a date? It sounds like it should be a new reality <laughs> TV show. It'd be so cool. I mean, I bet you there are a ton of parents that'd be like, oh my God, my, my son or my daughter needs that. Like nothing is happening in that world, right? They're not meeting anyone. They're not getting any practice. So then what? They're going to show up in college having never dated, never kissed anyone, right? Never nothing, right? And then they're like around the social situation where they have complete freedom and they're complete inexperienced, like things can go from zero to 60 and then they're caught up in something they're not equipped to sort of manage emotionally and psychologically. Yeah. And I, I used to see that in college all the time where I'd see particularly girls for, uh, f they were sort of um, first generation, like Korean or Indian where the parents were really strict and they weren't allowed to date at all. Right, right. And they had never yeah. been to a party. They'd never been on a date. They never drank. And boy, they just went nuts. And you were like, whoa, slow down. You're like falling down drunk at 10 by 10 o'clock. Parties haven't started and they're already, you know, and, and, you, and, and then the first guy that mm. they date, they're just like in love with. And he's the, and you're just like, okay, so this is what happens. You know, it's the same, just like the kid whose parents never got, let them eat junk food. And all of a sudden they, they come back for, uh, in the dining hall and they have seven <laughs> Cokes on their tray. You're like, dude, <laughs> like I know the soda's free, but that's probably not I would not recommend you drink that many sodas at dinner every night. It's interesting. Like, the, the, like this generation, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, what, what's going to happen? What, you know, it's just so different to the way we grew up. So freaking different. It is. Well, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, well, you know, it's funny because the, the, the people grew up in the 50s and 60s, they actually did more of the formal dating, right? Guys oh, yeah. pick the girls like they actually dated. Like we didn't do as much. We had this kind of weird pseudo dating, hanging on groups, and then it became more of the group thing. And then I don't like I don't know what this virtual this virtual teenage socialization stuff's going on, but they're just not getting any practice or any experience. It sort of just becomes like if you look at the if you look at the arc of history, it's everything just becomes less formal with every generation mm -hmm. to the point where now it's just like there is nothing. We're just hanging what out. You know, it's just a bunch of dudes what is hanging out. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point <laughs> there'll be a reaction to this where people are going to be, there always, there's always a pendulum, right? Gets to one end. There has to be a pendulum. And then everyone's yeah. really, because things get too formal. People are like, oh, it's too stuffy. It's too restrictive. And then it gets this kind of just uh, nebulous morass of just nothing's defined and no, there's nothing structured and there's no protocol. And it just. It's like, okay, it's the same sort of mental model in a way as Spotify. So Spotify is just like, there is no albums, there is no nothing, you just sort of pick a one song, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's kind of a metaphor for this whole generation in a sense. Yeah. Like, what, what the heck is anything? <laughs> yeah, which I, I think we've lost a lot. In that. I think we've gained some things. I mean, I'm incredible, I'm incredibly informal person, so I don't like formality, I don't like dressing up. But, so I'm like one of the worst offenders. 
But I also see when it goes to the <laughs> furthest, you, you take the dial and... Oh, you're just ahead of your time, Jason. You're ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah, just lazy. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do see some of the things that have been lost. So, But anyway, that, back to the, this generation, though. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to them when they go into their 20s. Because when they yeah. don't have as much practice socializing, what happens when you're your, your first boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever? Our people are, they don't know how to manage their way through them. They're more impacted when, you know, breakups occur and things like that. Justin, are you there or you're, you froze up? Um, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Okay. But you froze up too, but yeah. Okay. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, for in, in Colby's situation, that's one thing that Sandy and I have been thinking about. It's like, you know, he spends a year works grows up a little bit if he wants to play football he can spend the another year growing lifting weights training i think it's a really good you know? idea because you know you get get that extra year with him he'll probably do a cool project at home a coding project or something interesting and he'll get the exposure at work yeah i just um, i just don't want him hanging around the house all day. for real i just don't want him hanging around, spending around the house sleeping until t- uh, yeah. yeah till yeah, one yeah, in yeah. the afternoon because you'll see when you get to teenagers and they and they sleep till one or two and they stay up three or four morning and it's just how irritating that is you like <laughs> You know, it's like you need <laughs> to do something else. So it would only work if he had a, an on-site full-time job somewhere, I think. You know, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, so anyway, I'm, enough about that, I guess. All right. Um, so do you want to hear how the morning brief... Yeah, I, I knew that was going to be a hot topic and you're itching, itching to talk about it. So <laughs> let's, let's hear the gist. So, you, so let me just re- recall. So you were about few days if not a week away from from launching the last time we recorded which was about a month ago right yeah okay so we've had a good three to four weeks of of time so we probably have some we have something to talk about Got a little bit of stuff to talk about so well first thing i'll say is that um i kind of like uh on on the last show i i pushed it mm-hmm. actually sort of without consulting joe which is kind of my bad but i i just said on the last show <laughs> We're going to be launched by. <laughs> we're going to be launched by next Saturday. Did he, was he annoyed, or, or by, by the time there's? Um, well, he. I, I wouldn't say he was annoyed. He was just like he was just like, you know. Um, I'd, I'd appreciate you know like a heads up, you know, about <laughs> something like that moving forward. Which yeah, I think is fair. That's, that's fair. But at the same time, like we'd been go, we'd been going for for five months, and there'd been a. I know there'd been a month where I was down because of being sick or whatever. Um, but it's like sometimes <laughs> you just need a gun to the head to just really make it happen and i i felt like if i if i had that i could get it out the door um and it was uh, that kind of a situation because we were launching on the saturday um we had a um i'd scheduled with a with a uh, a guy called jeff hellman who's a tech who's a, a nugget uh member to basically be our first customer like he he loves the idea and he want he wanted to to purchase okay. it so at ten o'clock in the morning, he was there to. Uh, he was. Guy was. He to, was. He to, was customer number one. He was customer number one. Five minutes after um, the code was pushed, so it was one of those situations where I was working till one a.m. Um, that night, and then I got up at five a.m. and I'm sort of slacking Joe, and I'm saying, "Okay, it's one a.m. I, I think I better go to bed. Uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll be up at five, and then I'll get this stuff finished." Jeez. And it's like just like the paint on the walls, um, but. Uh, Joe said, actually, he's he said, you know, he's never experienced a launch like this. He's like, you know, things breaking. Like there was, like there were, we were just sort of a few hours before the launch, and I was giving him a demo, and it's like, 
you know, exception, <laughs> completely broken, nothing working. And, yeah. he's, and I could just sort of t- look, see in his face, he's like, um, should we push back this till next week? You know, mm. like, because, but the thing is, it was dependent on the tech, on the texting release. Mm-hmm. So I sort of felt like I couldn't really come back to you and say, hey, Jason, I'm going to push this another week. Is that okay? Well, I wouldn't so care. I, I mean, just... you could have just asserted something in the show, say, hey, you know, it'll insert. <laughs> Hey, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but it, but you know, in that discussion with Joe, it did remind me of like countless stories that you've told me. Like for example, local bacon. You know, the just before the tech crunch, uh, mm-hmm. launch, like mm-hmm. you're you're coding like ten minutes before going on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that you know, um, Joe was saying you know he he thinks we have different worldviews because for him that was just really weird that it had never happened to him but for me i just seemed like so f- just completely at ease with it and fine with mm-hmm. it so that was yeah kind of take it in stride well you know it's <laughs> it's probably the kind of engineering you're used to doing if you're in a situation where you're engineering things that can't fail you yeah, know like exactly. he does embedded systems and things hardware stuff mm-hmm. right i mean that's that's a different thing because once stuff gets installed in the hardware i mean the cost of changing it is exactly so you have many layers of quality assurance and stuff where, you know, when you're on the web or whatever, I mean, it's just like, it's but especially you know, web bootstrapping loose, side project, all that whatever, kind of man, stuff. you know, it's just throw <laughs> it and see, Oh, we got to fix that. You know, I mean, none of us like it, but we've just come to terms with the fact that it's, it, there's just sort of this critical point where, you know, your stuff is not ready and it's too buggy and you should have hold held onto it longer and then there's a point where you wait too long where you're being perfectionist and you spend months tweaking and stuff and in it turns out that you could be building the wrong stuff so you got to get out there so go to get in front of you know you could have endless debates about what that means and what that in what's the what's the right line and you know do you just lease fewer futures and make sure it's bug free and bigger whatever but the bottom line is i think with something like warning brief which is like not mission critical. Someone's day is not going to be ruined. They don't have like a project they're building on top of it that their company is screwed because your yeah. system went down. I mean, it's it's just information, you know. It's like that's right. I don't think, and I think it's it's beta testers, so it's like, um, you know, it's sort of friendly people, a lot of texting listeners. Well, and stuff. yeah, exactly. So the worst it's they like... can do is they rib you in the comments and <laughs> roll their eyes and go, "Nice job, Justin." Like that's the worst you're going to get. Well, which is not after uh, after after that that you know working through with so we so sort of opened the doors went through it with jeff a couple of things broke while we were going through it then it was then it was working he was able to sign up and pay and use it so then a few hours later in comes an email the most forgiving Mm -hmm. (laughs) listeners (laughs) essentially and just sort of somewhat uh i i don't have his name to hand but um, i think it's actually tom um but he's saying Okay, look, I tried this, it doesn't work. I tried this, it doesn't work. I can't sign up. I can't get in. I can't do this. So, yeah. So, the first, those first few texting listeners were like heroes um, and just very, very helpful. Um, and then, you know, finally got it working. And um, in total, um, we had, uh, so just to give you some ideas of, uh, of numbers, mm-hmm. uh, we had basically 10, uh, 11 texting listeners um, sign up and pay the 100 bucks. Okay. Which is, which is, Pretty much exactly what where where I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and then you know a couple of weeks later we launched to the to Joe's compelling list, his compelling mm-hmm. mailing list, and we had we had like another say eight or nine, so we've got um a, a nineteen total people pay uh, so far. Mm-hmm. 
so you know that's that's nineteen hundred bucks. So one thousand nine hundred bucks, which is great. Um, it really helps with our, you know, it's going to give us a couple months um, server cost. But also, you know, more importantly, a, a number of those people joined in Slack and were then, you know, having discussions with us and talking with us and telling us bug, bugs and stuff like that. So it's exactly yeah, what you that's want. Important. You know, that's important. It's really, it's just the right, the right uh, cadence, in my opinion. <clears throat> um, so, you know, some, some learnings. Um, I was surprised that, I really thought the people were going to get that launching to the texting audience was just about a Kickstarter kind of thing. It's like, it's, it, you know, you are, you're, you, you are, you know us, this is a hundred bucks. Like this is just, if you want to sort of support us cause you've been listening for a long time, but some mm -hmm. people were got pretty pissed off about the, the journey. Um, you sort of enter in and set up a sample brief and then at the end it asks for a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. um so yeah so there was some upset about that um on twitter and uh someone also which, post, posted comments which about is, it which is good yeah right you want to know that i mean rather yeah. you rather find out if you really irritate some people yeah you know right at the few you know then you then it gets bigger find the stuff out no exactly no exactly no that was a really good so so um so that is uh one of the reasons why you know the next the next thing that we're going to do for the nugget launch is going to be to put in a week's uh, free trial in there so basically they'll be mm -hmm. able to go through and they'll be able to get do a free trial for a week without a credit card so i'm just that's the journey that i'm working on right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> what about a two I, I would i would just be curious why a week a two you, you know how they say like it takes two weeks to set to establish a habit I wonder if two weeks might be better. Just people get a little more ingrained; they get more a little more used to it. I just think that like two weeks is a really long time to wait to see if you have revenue. And I remember that from from Plugio. It was like a pain in the ass. But also, I mean, you know, after a few days, I mean, what what's what's eight days going to difference going to make? Like like you know whether you like it or not. I was just I'm just sort of throwing yeah. it out there. Yeah, just yeah, like sure. Why seven days is like I, um, you know, or, or a month or whatever. Um, a month free trial week two weeks i mean i may, maybe maybe none of this stuff maybe we're just talking about on the margins none of this will make that big a difference i think so well certainly try for a week and just see how that goes um but yeah um, what you could do is yeah just collect some data on that and maybe maybe expand it if you feel like you need if, if, if you're not getting a conversion rate that you think is reasonable i mean that's something else that i've done is to build a uh, built um a stat system so that i can track i tried plugging in some some people's stat systems and they just didn't do what I wanted. So I built one pretty quickly in a couple of days because I wanted to track cohorts and I wanted mm -hmm. to just track things in certain ways. And, and that's working pretty nicely. Um, so another, so from the feedback of, uh, from a, f a few users that we've spoken on Slack, they've basically said, okay, look, of course it's not perfect, but um, Jeff um, and uh, another guy said, you know, even one great link a day is a win for them and they're getting that. And um, okay. you know Ben uh, Ben Boiter, who's a, a long time texting yeah. listener and purchased. Oh, I should I should mention some of the some of the the names um, where I've got them. Where are they? Okay, these are honourable mentions that, that I'm calling out the people who I know aren't going to mind uh, me calling okay. them out. So it's mm -hmm. Vitols. <laughs> All right, right. Our Vitol. Remember Vitol? Yeah, Vitol. Vitol. Yeah. Well, well, well. We hung out at. We came texting, texting but we, had, yeah. we also brought his family through Pasadena. Yeah. Like I don't know when it was. Like four, four or five years ago, and we we went. Uh, we our families went out together to breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ben Boiter, as I've mentioned, and Gabriel Mays. Remember him? Yeah, I know Gabe. Yeah. 
Um, and Scott Ewell, who's also a longtime listener of the show and also host of his own show, um, mm -hmm. Bootstrapped with Kids or something like that. Um, actually, yep. talking about Scott, he'd like to get him on the show at some point as like a, a longtime listener, maybe just friends of texting um, at some point. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. All right. So just a final little piece about this that I thought was interesting. So from, from um, slacking with Ben, um, Ben Boiter, he spoke about how he was using it and spoke about how he just it does an insane amount of surfing online every day to just find interesting stuff. Actually, stuff that he's mm -hmm. really interested in. Um, but that's also for his career about, um, you know, Intel, um, AMD is one side of things. And then another thing, side of things is about web optimizations. And he said that with the words that he's, with the key terms that he's plugged in, it's bringing back the information and he's found himself, you know, that he's not needing to do that. <coughs> but he even, even brought up, <coughs> even brought up the idea that he would really love like an evening edition of it so that he'd get one in the morning mm -hmm. and then he'd get one at like a 3.30 or a 4 p.m. so that it was like the extra links that came in that day. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we discussed further and he was like, you know, this would be really useful for CEOs or for PAs. Um, and it made me think, you know, this could be like an addition based thing. Like, so basically, um, uh, so like, you could have like the CEO edition where for them, it's important to have things like summaries and be very Spartan. You could have an influencer edition for them. It's to be, it's uh, important to do stuff like find good content to share to their social networks, basically different editions with different price points. Um, each one having its own landing page and feature focus. Um, of course, you know, mm -hmm. we couldn't release all of those editions at once, but gradually we could add, you know, features for each edition. It's sort of like the Uber, Ubers start off with building one city at a time kind of concept. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking could be quite good for this. Well, yeah, Kurt probably might want to change it from morning brief. I know that's the <laughs> new brief. I know. Well, maybe uh, call it like global intelligence, <laughs> global <laughs> intel. I know. I mean, there's there's uh, there's examples of brands that that aren't exactly. I don't think that brand matters too much. You can rebrand at a later time, you know. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah, true. You that's can rebrand at a later time. Well, again, I mean, you still don't have that many users to be really making any strategic adjustments. That's true. That's true. I think you need to. I think you need to expand your user base quite a bit and really get a sense of who's paying, especially people who are not directly connected to you. Yeah, people who don't know you. That's right. Don't yeah. care about you as a person. <laughs> what do they think? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, these are all things that are worth thinking about. I mean, you know what I what we talked about in the last show was the difference between the people who are mostly interested in, in getting as much information as they possible, yeah. and the and the other side, which is like, okay, they want information, but they the want spot. it with the least amount of distraction, yeah, as possible. Are you is there are you getting any signal either way, or is it kind of a mixed bag? Um, it's well, so far, I I I think people want a lot of links. Um, but they want mm -hmm. them, they want them in a Spartan kind of way. So, so they're both true. They, they want a lot of information, but they, but, <laughs> but is distraction, is, is distraction one of their main motivators? I think, I think that is, Ben, keep, give me the information. Well, no, I, so for, so for, for Ben, I think it's, um, it's really saving him time on like trying to find the stuff. 
Um, and then he mm-hmm. he's happy to get 200 links in an email. He just wants a list like Hacker Good News. God. You know? <laughs> Good God. And Gabe, okay. Gabe is kind of the same, but he doesn't want the designed uh, template that I've done. He just wants like a, a basic ULLI list. Like Craigslist <laughs> slash <laughs> Hacker News. Like keep it raw. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I like. That's one thing I do like about Hacker News. I don't want all the nonsense. Yeah, I don't want exactly. like 10 links to the page. I don't care about that. And I think... Um, yeah, people are mostly interested in the information are going to want that just efficient information. Not a lot. They don't, don't don't lard up the page with a lot of stuff. Make it slow to load, you know that kind of. But stuff. But I do think that well, I think people will like the I, idea that you you had um, of sort of the text summaries of the links. I do think people want that. So I th- I think re- that's this is the reason why I'm 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 thinking this is going to move towards additions. It's going to move towards different product offerings for different people. So some people will want their content in that way they'll want five links that are summarized other people will want 200 well, links. I, I, you know I, I i was at i was talking about this 10 years ago i mean i give, i told a story about how when we were oh god i think this is went down to the caymans and this was like in early 2001 or something like that and one of the coolest things they had is they you had like the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or something, and they and you, and you would have it delivered into your room as a as like a two page fax. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And and it was each it was just summarized stories, and it was like you get through the whole thing in ten minutes. You're like, okay, I get it. I get what's going. That's great. <laughs> like I love this. And I remember talking to you about. It. I was like, I want that. That's what I want. You know. And um, I still think that's true. I so I think that um. You know, and, and you know, I've talked about how on Hacker News, a lot of times you go straight to the comments because you can usually get, you can infer a summary just by the first couple of comments. Not always. Sometimes just like, ah, okay, what? I don't know what the crap they're talking about. They're, go- they're quickly they're going off on a side tangent right away. But, you know, you're always looking to have that experience of just let me get a little enough information to decide whether I want to invest more time on it. Is this what I think it is? And is there anything interesting or surprising? Or is this just kind of like I can predict the whole thing, in which case I don't want to read it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know the, the tech involved or whatever might be um, a little out of reach at the moment, but I think being able to do that at some point would be amazing. Even if you could just sort of like, not a like a written summary but just bullet points like the thing could just pull out like here are the key sentences like you could pull out like the first sentence of the first three paragraphs or the last sentence the of the of the of the first paragraph you know because you usually have these sort of like key points in an article when you can tell which are sort of established in, in good writing form like this is where you're thesis for the whole article is it's the like what the last sentence of the first there's paragraph various like services that. that do that um that, that are very good oh, okay. um that apis not not services that send what we're doing but right so but that the, you can you can rent yeah, an api to do that we can rent us. an api to do that the question is is what's the business model who is the target so we're just sort of still going a little bit further on this direction before we start focusing in on because that's the other point about the additions we're not going to roll all these additions out at one time it's going to be, okay, we're going to work out what's the best edition to focus on. What's the, where's the best place to start? And that might be exactly what you're saying right now, in which case, okay, then we'll get money from those people and we will give them those kind of abstracts, you know. Um, well, I, you know, I think you could, you could probably pretty, if there's an API, it'd be something that'd be pretty easy to experiment with and yeah. say, okay, well, we're going to limit it down to a hand, you know, a dozen or a couple dozen people and see how they respond to it. You know, it won't cost that much if you're only. No, that's a good point. That, that is a good something. point. Although a lot of the, AP, see, a, those kind of APIs, a lot of, 
most of them don't offer anything sensible for free. So like there's a there's for example I don't I haven't seen one where they do anything over 500 words, you know. Um and then the the lowest price well, points are a couple are hundred they? bucks a month. Pardon? Oh, a couple hundred bucks a month. Well, I mean So 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 to to do the I, test we'd have to pay a couple hundred bucks a month, which is you know, quite a lot at this time in the in our career, in our existence. Maybe it's good as well. I don't know. I mean, a couple hundred dollars for a month to get really good test on what might be the future of your product is, I think, pretty... Okay, that's fair enough. Pretty yeah, that's fair priced. enough. I mean, I'd, I'd be careful of being penny-wise and pound-foolish. That, right? That's so fair enough. Like, and and we've raised the, you know, we've, we've um, through the, the, the work so far, we've raised, you know, 1,900, which is more than we had before. So we would have something yeah. to experiment with, something like that. That's a good point. Well, I, I, I think what you could do is reach out to your 20 or so users and say okay how big of a deal is this thing to you if they're like meh or don't care to like yeah kind of interesting if they're like yeah that would be amazing and you got like you know a third to half of them say that would be amazing then be like we should probably experiment with try this. It, yeah. if you only have like two people you're like eh, okay maybe that's not maybe you know ask again later it's like okay well there weren't enough of the first 20 only 10 percent cared or a lot so maybe we're just going to hold off for the moment we're focused on the things and then you get up to like 50 users and you go out and, and then maybe try again mm-hmm. and maybe have a bigger sample and maybe you do but i'll bet you i would bet that you probably have at least a third of the people be really interested in that okay. and i i think there's a there's a big value add to that because it, it does really save you a lot of time, right? I mean, if you go through and, and like you're trying to stay on top of some industry and you can spend 15 minutes and read, you know, like three or four bullet points or a little paragraph or whatever it is on like 20 or 30 of the core, core key stories, that's a huge time saver and you're on top of everything. I think and that's... I don't know. I think that's that that makes a lot of sense for CEOs or, P, or PAs or some people who really just need to summarize stuff they don't want to go in they want to they want to go and have a lunch with a with a with some investors or something and have something smart to say about the industry uh, i yeah. think it's a lot more people than just at ceos yeah that's way 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 more oh yeah CEOs. no i'm not saying i i agree with that but i'm just saying like as in people with money who might be a good start you know a good potential segment mm. well first of all the the price tag doesn't have to be that high. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing like a what a hundred dollar lifetime thing, I mean, what are you gonna charge like you know four or five or ten dollars a month or something like for this service? You know, which would probably be a reasonable p- price if you if you charge let's say nine dollars a month, nine ninety nine, let's say, um, you know, maybe raise it up, maybe it's seven, maybe it's fourteen or something, but, um. You, there'd be a lot of people who would pay for that. I agree. There'd be a lot of people who pay for for efficient, um, efficient acquisition of information. Right, I agree. But you that know? that um, would and, be and, you know just just sort of just talking about pricing. Just taking a blanket, you know, ten dollar price point viewpoint would be definitely leaving money on the table. Like you need you need to have more nuance about the price points and and the different customer segments. Because, like I'm saying, like, they, you know, superhuman, you know, they char- they're charging that price point. They're selling to CEOs for that reason. That's the specific market. That they're, they're not talking. selling. To, it's not 500,000 CEOs. I think right. that's way too narrow perspective on that. CEOs are part of a much larger spectrum. 
unless you're talking about CEOs meaning founders exactly. of like one or yeah, two exactly. or three it's, it's, CEO is CEO is not the right term to use for that. That's a ridiculous term to call yourself a CEO of like five <laughs> people or something. Or the, I, I, like, am I the CEO of Math Academy because I got like you know? I said CEOs and PAs, peoples. didn't I? I said CEOs and PAs. I just mean I just what's mean a PA? What's a PA? Personal assistant. Okay. Yeah, I you know I, I yeah entrepreneurs founder I, I, CEO I think of somebody who's like the head of like a corporation of like a okay. thousand yeah five thousand ten thousand I don't think most people think of CEOs as people of ten twenty thirty <laughs> person companies it just seems so like I'm the you know I'm the king of England you know it's like okay whatever you know. <laughs> <laughs> it just it sounds so uh, so but anyway I, all i'm saying is i think your market is way bigger than what you're using the term ceo even suggests i, I think there's completely which agree is, happens just, all the time i completely agree it's just a miss uh, my it's my bad for miscommunicating my my thinking and this is this is just the the typical jv problem of like not, not communicating well, very well <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, sure, sure. Maybe it is a higher price. Maybe maybe you start with a forty nine dollars a month or twenty nine dollars. I don't know. Whatever you do. I mean, these are kind of nothing costs. Now, I'm not even talking for CEOs. I'm just talking for anybody who has a white collar, you know, uh, information based job. Yeah. You know, someone's making eighty, or hundred, hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, and, mo and most people wouldn't even pay what their company would pay for it. Agreed. You know? Agreed. I mean, it's, it's it's not even it's not even a real it's not even a real cost. And it's like, if if you get like you know writers, exactly would be for instance all the people in the writing. I mean, there's just there's just so many different people who pay for it. And um, you know, I'm I you know, look, I'm a big fan for going upstream in terms of yeah price points. I mean, we've we've talked about ever since I think we interviewed was a David Cancel who was on our show like ten years ago, and he <laughs> talked he he get, talked about how much better experience was raising prices and having how less headache it was and all the other benefits of, of charging more. And I think you and I both took his, his, um, his views to heart on that, his experience well, to heart. But, um, yeah. Just to be super clear about where I'm at, there is zero decision one way or another. It could be that the best thing to do with this is to take it free and get ad, ad revenue. It could be that the best thing to do with this is charge four bucks a month. It could be that the best thing to do is to do multiple editions. Wow. But I'm just like, I'm just sort of, it's crystallizing in this direction for me. That's all. It's not defined. I wouldn't do the ad-based thing. I wouldn't do the ad. I wouldn't do the ad-based thing. That, that's garbage for the most part. I think, I think most nowadays with ads, everything I've read and, and understand is that in ads, you have to have just a massive amount of traffic to make any money. And it's just a kind of a sh shitty business to be in, I think. I would rather... I think you'd be in a much. I think you'd be much happier if you have people paying for your product and getting a good service in return. Because you know, if you're not paying, you are the product, and you're back in that sort of. You're in this model where, in a sense, you're working against your customers. I agree. That, you know, that's the one thing design. I don't like about that. I agree. But then again, if you look at um, you know DuckDuckGo versus something like mm -hmm. Google, so DuckDuckGo's mm -hmm. revenue model is just about a single ad in one place and it's not mm. they're not tracking users they're not doing any of that stuff learning more and more about users habits and stuff like that it's just keyword based one ad whereas yeah. if you look at the way that google does it like they learn and know everything about you <laughs> and they profile you and they do yeah so i think that it's there's it's it's like a it's this nuanced you know like the gabriel weinberg model is, isn't as bad in but, my opinion no it, it's true but 
that's a search engine and the amount of people use it is so much more frequent. That's you true. Know, yeah. You're using throughout the day. You know, I'm not saying you can't make it work. I just think, I think there's, if you provide a compelling enough service, people will pay for yeah. it. If you charge a reasonable price, if you're not providing a real a service that has adding real value, people are going to pay for it. And I think you guys are, and I think, knowing you and Joe, you guys want to create something that's really adding value that people really appreciate and they like, you know, you don't have to charge an arm and a link for it. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, you can have different, you know, as you mentioned, you could have different versions. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think the summary thing is, uh, is, uh, would be a, a winner because it plays again to the whole, like, I don't want to go in a rabbit hole. I don't need to spend, um, 45 minutes reading this article when in fact there's actually five bullet points. Okay. I'll get 80, 20. I get most of what I want. If I find it like, wow, this article is absolutely critical to my life. I got to spend 40 or it's just such a fascinating thing. I'll spend time reading it. That's rarely the case. All right. So. I am going to be the time cop here and say, we need to stop talking about this morning brief right now. Let's move on. No to more your morning stuff. brief. You're actually saying, I, you're, yeah. you're saying no more morning. Brief. I think okay. well, just, just for the rest of this show, because um, we're 50, we're 50 minutes in and I've, I want. I don't want to just like talk about this. <laughs> so I really want to hear about okay. Math Academy. And I mean, has there been any progress on your end? How are you getting on? I mean, I would love to talk about Morning Brief all day, <laughs> and I could talk about it all day and all oh. night. But I just, you know, I don't want to be too too selfish. Okay. In that in that regard. No worries. Well, yeah. we'll leave some for the next show. We got. Yeah, that's right. We got. Well, for yeah, for, I mean, it's going to be ongoing shows. It's going to be like back to the pluggier days, basically. Right. Right. So, um, so you, so you wanted to know what was going on Math Academy? That's your, that's what we move on to next. I would like to know, yeah, like how, what's all the, all the, the stats, the latest, well, the greatest. Um, quite a bit. Uh, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm getting a little stressed because the school year is coming up fast. Um, right. and you know, our school year starts August 12th, which is ridiculous, right? Usually think of it starting around the end of August, beginning of September. So we have to get everything in some kind of working order before then. Um, and the biggest, I mean, we're, we're, we're changing everything from like a daily assignment to a moral model of, okay, you have to accumulate so many points per day and there are a variety of learning tasks that you can complete. That will allow students mm. to have a little more um, control over what they're doing and they can go in slightly different directions if they want which is which is better like that's more sort of adaptive like doing you know letting them do what they want yeah i like yeah, it yeah and um then it allows us to gamify things a little bit they get certain points you get bonus points for doing this and that and certain things are harder or, or easier and okay. you know whatever there's a lot of variety of learning tasks it just it just create it, it allows things to be a lot more flexible and and more gamified um so uh, the other the big thing that we've been working on is you know you've heard me talk about the knowledge graph we had this sort of you know yeah that, that ties all the topics together from one course you know from within one course but also between courses so we could have a sequence of courses from say fifth grade math all the way up through complex analysis or something and it's like everything right <laughs> everything from multiplying numbers together to you know Stokes and Gauss theorem or something, right? And it's it's um, which is it's just a crazy amount of of information. Anyway, one thing that we were we were sort of struggling with in terms of like, you know, sometimes you it's just the bookkeeping, the database bookkeeping becomes sort of um, 
restrictive. It, there's a lack of flexibility there. And, and for us, it was the repetition. So when you would do a topic, you, you know, you'd say, okay, I did an assignment. I had questions from, you know, seven different topics. And, uh, you know, this is the third repetition on this topic and the first on this one and the fifth on this other one or whatever. And so you were tracking all of these repetitions and stuff. But a lot of information was being lost because, um, you know, if I do if I do certain topics that are related to this other topic, but I don't do this other topic, in a sense, you you still need to be getting some kind of credit for it. Does that make sense? Because it's yeah. it's close to it. It may not be directly following it or totally encompass it, but it has an effect. And you want to be able to account for that. And you know, or also, if I struggle with something, if I'm a student and I'm struggling with something, that gives me information about these other topics. And it may mm. not be black and white, like, you know this, therefore you don't know this. It's like, well, if you're struggling with this, it probably means you're not as strong on these, on these other things, you know, or vice versa. If you do real well on this, well, then that indicates that you have, you're stronger at these other things. And maybe we don't have to review that or review that as soon as we thought we would, we might have to. So you're sort of talking about like a little bit of bleeding between the topics. So right. you, you get in that sense to get the credit. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you have this math. So it's all connected. So what you want to do is, so if everything's all connected up, what we want to be able to do is every time you answer a question, get it right or wrong, that tells you something, not only about that topic, but all the topics it's related to. Right? Yeah. And so oh, what, we, wow. what we're doing is we create this, we've, come up with some really elaborate algorithms. It's just really cool where we can do that. So what we do is every mm -hmm. time you finish a task, you know, we have, we have sort of an estimate sort of a, of a, um, of um, where you are with that topic. And also sort of like, also sort of a gradient in terms of like when you're going to need to do it next. So it's like, and then what happens is, is we, you do you answer other questions and then it sort of updates the entire graph, right? Some things won't really be impacted because they're so far away, but things in the neighborhood will be will be impacted, and um, it's really it's really quite beautiful from an algorithmic standpoint. But it's also incredibly flexible, and that's what hmm. we've been working on for the past you know month or so. Ever so we had, we did that diagnostic last show. We talked about the diagnostic, which yeah yeah, which was sort of our first foray into thinking in terms of that um and that's when i actually had the thought i'm like you know what screw repetitions you know like let's get rid of repetitions let's just continue can look at the can, the stream of uh, uh, of questions that a, and answers that a student's had so if they've had 50 if they've had 1500 questions over the past three years or whatever then we you know, spread that over time. We overlay that on the graph. We update it, da, 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 do all the magical transfer, ma mathematical transformations. And then we can figure out this is your MRI, what you know, and we can predict what you will know a day from now, a week from now, three weeks, a year, a month. We can actually make an, a real time a prediction of everything, what you know of everything. Um, <laughs> so, crazy. yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. Nothing like this, is, as far as we know, has ever been created. And, um, and it should be incredibly flexible. And it should allow us to really optimize a student's learning path. Because one of the things we ran, we ran into is that it was just you're eating up so much time doing review of, of things. And we want, I want to be like be much as efficient as possible. So, okay, 
you maybe don't have to review this stuff because you've done stuff similar to it. Have you done more advanced stuff, right? Or, hey, you know, because when I'm teaching, sometimes I think, you know what? I want to try and get to this topic as soon as possible because when I do that, that's tantamount to doing these five other topics. That's like a five for one. Let's get there as soon as possible because it's a huge efficiency gain. So it's almost like a gaming algorithm. Like how do I get these double, triple, quadruple, quintuple, winners right that just have massive efficiency gain otherwise you're you're having to review each one of these things independently which is just burning time does that make sense yeah a lot lot of so it's great so you want to look at that and you also want to look at in terms of the 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 time the not only the gradient in terms of like how much will this reviewing or learning this topic impact other stuff that i've learned previously or need to learn or whatever but um also in terms of like what needs to be reviewed sooner. It's like this; these things are up for review soon. So we have to, either we're going to have to review this in the next couple of days, otherwise the, 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 the time loss, the, the, the decay is, is so great that, you know, we're going to lose information. So you're trying to optimize keeping the information as stable as possible. So it's sort of a information knowledge stability metric as well. So that's great. That's interesting. I don't feel like I'm describing it very well, but it's it's uh, it's it's you have. I think you have described it well. Okay. I well, think you have. I think it's it's. I can I can repeat it back to you. <laughs> okay, that's okay. And, and and tell you what I think you've said. <laughs> what what I think you've said is is that um, basically there's there's redundancy in in people um as they're as they're training and going through topics, mm-hmm. and you your system is smart enough to know that how topics relate to each other. And to make sure that they don't do redundant learning and that you keep on, don't keep on sending very similar questions to them between topics. Right. So that they, they can just go, they can just do it better. That's and, what it and, sounded right. like to and me. And then yeah. you could find things that can, get, can gain efficiency. Find topics that pull multiple concepts together and you can get, you know. Um, nice. You have to do so that's less like the work. Leap, the leapfrog approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's really good. So working hard on that. Um, and... That's that's been a big um, a big uh, you know I guess fo- big, a big focus. We got to get that done because I, we're basically rewriting how the engine works. But this is what we've been sort of I guess moving towards over a period of years. Um, and I think this is really this is really it. Um, and then of course the whole gamifying task based learning, which is another huge change that we're trying to make this summer. Um, but and then, of course, one thing that we have to do is we have to really get as clo- complete the graph as much as possible because when you are trying to figure out what what are valuable topics to learn, you're really th- trying to determine well, how core is this topic? Does this play into lots of other stuff that comes later or not? Right. So it's like you know, if you're doing calculus, like you, you need to know the product rule. If you don't know the product rule, you're not going to make a lot of progress, you know, or something. So that's key. If you're like, well, I need to work on related rates with similar triangles. It's like, eh, you know, it's good to do related rates problems, but it's like, that's not core, right? So you need to be thinking about things that are core because if you, once you get those things, you can get the things beyond it, right? And um, also what you want to do is you want to figure out, um, how we can continually build on things so that things aren't left for, for dead. Because it's like, if we have sort of dead ends, like there's nothing built on top of this topic, then you, you, the only way you're ever going to keep forgetting is continually to review that thing. And continually reviewing something you did years ago is really boring. So it's better if you can just 
constantly find things that are built on top of those. So we call it a layering approach. Mm-hmm. So Alex, who's head of the content, has been trying to finalize and build up the, the content trees for or knowledge graphs for all these, you know, university level subjects and, you know, multivariable calculus, differential equations, abstract algebra, et cetera, which is another monster job. So before Could we, you, before he just had to build just to stay ahead of the kids. Now I'm like, okay, you understand the algorithm is looking at the graph, how much progeny an individual topic has to relative its importance and stuff. So we need to have all this stuff sort of get finished or at least like 90% of the way there. He's like, okay. How did he take it? He's like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm always telling him these impossible tasks. So he's always giving these impossible tasks. So he's just like, okay. But you know, before he had, he was much more designing content from the sort of bottom up, like you know we're, we're working on this stuff. The next thing is probably this, you know. But coming from a top down, it's like okay, well, if we look at a subject, and we say okay, the subject is um, differential equations. You know what what is a differential equations course? What should it contain? So you go and you look at all the major textbooks and say, okay, what's what's the sort of the superset or the intersection, and what do we consider to be a really complete, comprehensive course in in the subject of of differential equations okay and then we have to go and we have to build that out and we have to kind of look at lots of different resources and come up with our own ideas and figure how everything connects together and then break them up into very small bit uh, bite size pieces which we call topics and so it's, it's 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 somewhat elaborate but alex has he's really changed his tune in that he really likes the top down approach now and sort of creating mm-hmm. a, it, it kind of reminds me of like writing, you know, it's like if you're going to write a story, do you just come up with an idea and a, and a situation and then just find out what the story goes? Or do you kind of outline the whole thing and come up with a big structure? Okay, this is, this is where the story is going to go. Mm-hmm. This is how it's going to end. And you kind of piece it together. And um, that's what, that's what he's doing now, which is great because I'm like, as I told him, I was like, we don't have to have say the abstract algebra course hundred percent complete. But as much as possible, I need to know how about, we need to have the topics in there. We need to have them connected, all, all connected up. You know, that, that, will give the, that will give the algorithm an idea of like, okay, how important is this topic? Well, geez, there's 50 topics above it. It's really important, right? As opposed mm. to it has two topics mm. ahead of it, in which case you're mm. like, eh. You know, and, and if you haven't finished it, it's, it's not that it has two topics. It's just you just didn't link it up. And so, therefore, we kind mm. of de-emphasized it. So, anyway, that's, that's been sort of the big... I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine that you would keep going for the next school year before you did your public paid release? Is is that where we're going now, do you think? Yeah. Once you get stuck in the school year, it's really hard to Now we got we had we got to launch this fall. There's uh, no I can't I can't I, I don't think I could psychologically or financially go another year where <laughs> we're not okay. really launching. So we got we got to get something going. Um okay. But yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of pressure because you know we're trying to launch with the school year and get things ready for you know the math academy program as well as creating creating stuff for other people to use. But yeah, I mean it's it's this has been a very very expensive endeavor, and I think just from a psychological. So what does the point, fall you know, mean? Just breaking it down to like a, a what because English people like me don't don't know that. What is what, what is specifically what? is the fall? The fall. I don't know what you mean. The fall. The the fall, oh the, the fall. We're gonna launch by the fall. Autumn, the autumn. <laughs> you call the fall. Uh, you okay, call the, the autumn autom- the fall. 
Any any chance of some months? <laughs> <laughs> September, September, October. Okay, November. so basically, so what what is your la- absolute latest launch date? Well, I don't think we're going to have a uh, like a single launch date. I think it will be a series okay. of smaller launches. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I would like to have some. What's your latest of, first? I would. What's your latest? I'd like to have that by launch. September. I would like like uh, Labor Day. Would probably be okay. What's Labor Day? Like for around September first, again, give or take. Okay, September one. All right. I think that's that's your first tiny micro launch. Yeah, I would. September I would. 1. I nice. would say. Um, you know, it's not going to be everything that I want it to be or should be, but it's just it's just too it's too big to finish everything. You know. I'm telling you, there's a lot of texting listeners breathing a sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> I get emails from people saying, "When when is it going to be released?" And actually, September 1st is a date. That is a date. It is a date. I'm very excited for you. <laughs> well, we'll it see. is a date. Let's Just see. release something small by September 1. Yeah. I, be- I completely believe you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was reading an article <laughs> on... Um, it was an 11-year-old or 10-year-old article on static analysis by um, John Carmack, you know, John Carmack is yeah, Doom. Yeah, so he's yeah, one of those yeah. famed he's coders cool. who wrote the Doom engine, the guys, founders of yeah. ID. And he was talking about the power of static analysis, you know, and essentially running on, you know, statically compiled uh, or static languages like C++ um, or strongly typed languages. And um, I was talking to it with with Justin. I was, I was, I can't remember how it came up. And so I found the article and I just reread it because everything he writes is usually pretty interesting. And he was talking about how many, after he ran the static analysis tools and he tried a few different ones that one from Microsoft and one from, uh, you know, I can't remember the names of them, but you know, how it found all these errors, like his code base was just riddled and they were real really problematic things and he's like oh my god mm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of scary <laughs> you know and um so but one of the things he said which was really stuck with me he goes you know w- one thing i found is that the size of the code base is de- directly related to the code quality the more code the lower the code quality meaning the higher the error rate mm. and so you want to, whatever your mission critical code that you're shipping to users should be as small a code base as you can, as possible. And this was, he, he said this all in one line, and I was like, holy crap, that is a, actually a really important thing to think about. Because I yeah. let this code base become sprawling. Because it's essentially like five apps in one, right? I have you know, stuff for instructors and I have stuff for students and for the content development team, the editors and writers and Alex and admins. And, you know, it's, it's massive. Right. And a lot of it was written by this other developer and and some of the code I still haven't been able to rewrite or replace yet because it's just, just so much of it. And I was thinking, you know, I'm thinking what I might need to do is, is, is break, crack this egg open into like five different apps make them entirely separate repos. Um, and the only thing they really share, there might be a couple of, you know, utility libraries. The only thing they really share is the database, right? And some, you know, I mean, styles or something. Um, but, you know, but I, that would be one way to make more progress because one of the things I've noticed is that, so there's, 
there's this code that was written by Civilod or the Civilod Collective or whatever years ago, right? And the and the and the code quality ranges from eh, to nightmarish. Meaning like he can't even tell what the hell's going on. And part of it is like I said, I think it's because I, I think it was probably written by was subcontracted out possibly in certain cases is what I'm guessing. Mm. But also it's like if you look back to node code that was written in node before the async await stuff and you had all this really callbacks and then callbacks and promise all and you have all these chained together callbacks and stuff. It's really a nightmare to read. It's really, Mm. it's not great. I mean, and I'm someone who's written a ton of call, you know, asynchronous callback code and I still look at that stuff. I'm like, ah, Jesus, you know, it's so much better now with async await, right? You can wrap up your asynchronous calls and just put an await there and, you know, it's, it's like you're writing, you're writing, you know, stuff that looks asynchronous anyway, and it's much easier to reason about logically and and keep from, you know, writing bugs. And um, so anyway, because there's so much of this code, it's hard to make changes because you're worried that you're going to break stuff, right? I'm looking at, I'm going, God, you know, there's two or three thousand lines in this, in the, of, of code in this one file. There's all these. You know, I have. Is it a cognitive load that's like stopping you from launching, in a way? I, no, I wouldn't say that that is a huge factor. Although I would say that it is a factor, right? Um, but what I'm th- what I'm starting to think is that you know maybe if I was able to break this into multiple, the, a student, sort of the student app instructor app, then I could move faster because the code would be so much smaller and more focused. Yeah. Right? And um, and also it's like, you know, one thing I, when, when you originally write like an, a, an app in, in Node and Express, and you know, like there's probably similar things in Laravel and every, it's like, okay, all HTML files are in a directory called public slash HTML. And all the JavaScript mm-hmm. are in, well, guess what? Now you have, I have like 200 HTML files. <laughs> That is terrible, right? Like you really want to break these things into folders, subfolders, which are like this is a you know a a component, a small subsystem that has the HTML, the CSS, the the JavaScript all together. Like this stuff is this one little you know almost like a screen. Like you almost want to put that together because you're I'm going back and forth, you know, scrolling down. You can still do that within your existing. Like for example, a first pass is you can just go. You can do what you just said for your HTML. Just split that up into student, um, instructor, etc. Yeah. So just just HTML directory net is now five directories. Right. No, that is a a step. So I'm, you know there are different. Oh, geez, sorry. There are different um, ways to migration paths. Like, what's the easiest way to do it? And I would agree with you. Like going nuts and just like taking a chainsaw and sawing off limbs yeah, exactly. and trying to attach is probably not a good idea if, if i want to launch you time before january <laughs> like if you at least if you just broke it up into directories like i just said then that gives you your path to doing your separate repos you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. and you can sort of do them one at a time yeah no i, I think that's a, a really good point I, I would actually thinking about that as well like how do i how do i do this in steps um but right yeah. now it's like you know because the way he the way the Civilod Collective wrote this, which, in fairness, when you're when an app is smaller, certain things make sense, or they're not oh, yeah. necessarily wrong. It's fine. You yeah. know, it's just like okay, so um, 
all of the all of the code that has to do with using the models to get stuff in and out of the database goes in a let's call let's call you let's say you're dealing with a an assignment table and so you have an assignment service class right and that's where you do all your query you you call the model and use your orm and you pull stuff out and put stuff in and you have eight or ten methods right and then mm -hmm. that assignment service grows and grows and grows and now it's 3000 lines of of code right mm -hmm. and you have 30 of those service classes <laughs> right and oh you're my like gosh. my god right and this is even after i have at times taken a chainsaw and ripped out a, a lot of stuff um and i mean i might be exaggerating I mean, everything's like 3000 means a thousand lines or 12 but they're they're big there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of the code i'm starting to think like I don't even think a lot of this is even is like is is, is even used. It's kind of like dead code or could be dead code. Especially there's, sniff, there's sniffers to to check out your code base and find the dead code. Do you, where, do you have a good sniffer? Functions just are never called. Yeah. No, I don't. Have, oh, I don't know of a good never. sniffer, but I know that 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 exists. Like that, there's there's even um, on GitHub you can plug in apps and stuff that will just go ahead and do that. Yeah, I need. To, so know? one of the things I started doing is I was like, okay, well. I initially wrote, uh, well, initially we had like a printing service so we could, you could create um, like printouts, like of problems and solution keys and stuff. We're not going to. Oh, yeah. And it never really got it to be as, as nice as I wanted. And it's not really part of the product. And I don't think anyone's really using it. But there's a lot of supporting code. So there's the underlying code that I want to I change how things work. But a lot of stuff rely on it. Printing being one of them. Right, and a printing having a ton of supporting code. I'm like, you know what? I should just rip this out, like gone, right? And there's a variety of things like that that I can just rip out. And I'm like, you know, this stuff is like never used or is completely non-essential, but it's 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 magnifying the complexity of the code base dramatically. So the trade-off is okay. Well, it might be kind of nice to have it once in a while. Nope, forget it. I'm gonna cut this out. This 5,000 lines of code gone of complex code, most of which I haven't touched. Or I've never even touched, and it's been around for years. Like goodbye. So it's like the year of no, but about code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like yeah, it's just it's just it's just going complete, you know, chainsaw massacre. <laughs> it's just ripping stuff out. But I I did some of that the other day because I'm trying to rebuild the subsystem, which has to do with. Um, how our dynamic images are created and integrated with everything. And it's very com it's very complex. And I have all this code that it's like, rather than being like a few functions that you, that are, that are called to sort of process a, 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 um, a, a math, a document that has math equations and, um, and, um, and these sort of these graphs that are built into it, these, these dynamically generated images, like that stuff is cut and pasted mm -hmm. all over the place. And it's just a mess. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, mm -hmm. where do I start for consolidating this stuff? You know, and a lot of that stuff I've just said, all right, well, I'm going to leave well enough alone because I have other stuff to work on. But now I'm getting to the point where it's like, I just have to have to deal with this. And the first step was just ripping out unused code. And all of a sudden, now that like cut down the amount of stuff that I was going to have to change, it might potentially break by two thirds. But anyway, after read, while well, going through this process and rereading that Carmack article about the size of a code base and i'm just like you know i think that's what needs to happen i think i need to break these into smaller more focused code bases so what what has been your experience with that well i was just i was just thinking you know it happens early on like so 
when I was building Morning Brief in the first place, one of the first things that I built was the, I guess, to set up your brief, you you can see that what the email is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I built that for the web, you know, what the email is going to look like for the web. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, now I need to actually send this email. And obviously it makes sense rather than just build the email from scratch. I'll just use this thing that I built for the web. So, but of course the web and what, you know, what works on the web and what works on in, in an email is different. Mm-hmm. So then that template becomes, you know, if this is the web, then show this, if this is an email, then show this. Are you still there? Are you still there? Hello. It was uh, breaking up. Are you? How about Hello? if you tu- if you turn off your video? If we turn off video, we'll probably get a better bandwidth. Okay. Jason. Yeah. All right. Can, I can turn you hear off me? Video. Yep. Can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so then I'm like, okay, so now I've start, I've got, a, I've got this single template with all these exceptions mm-hmm. that are basically, if it's, if it's the web, then show this, if it's the email, then show this. And then, and then the next thing is, okay, now I need to actually show the email that was sent to them when they click a link in the email, but this is going to be a different context. Now it's going to be in the dashboard. So now I'm starting to add, okay, if it's the dashboard, then show this. If it's the email, then show this. If it's the web, then show this. Right. So uh, I, it, it just builds up really, really quick, you know, this, these kind of exceptions and uh-huh. this type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you have, it. but do you, but do you have for like the, the user app versus an admin, are they the same app or do you make them separate apps, separate repos? Well, I would make them, um, so, I would make them the same app, but I would just split the code up um, in in the way that I described in directories. You know, for something like this. So, for example, for Modern Teacher, it's the same app. But what what I do have in separate repos is Salt. You know, the orchestration stuff versus mm-hmm. um, the web. You know, the web app. Mm-hmm. But um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it was a bad thing to do, a bad direction to go in what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But if you just think of every, if you just think of the entire code structure as like a bunch of switch statements, so mm-hmm. In the HTML directory, you have, you know, students, uh, admin, whatever. If you just do that everywhere, then that makes the whole thing just much simpler. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, first, I'm going to, the thing I'm going to keep doing right now is just ripping out subsystems that we no longer use. And then that'll, that'll reduce yeah. the, and then maybe look, see if I can, I think your, your suggestion about using a sniffer would be a good idea. Maybe I could, you know, find, help, help maybe it'll help me find some code that I can, that I can eliminate and then... I think the next step would then be sort of moving stuff into creating maybe a directory structure modeled after as if they were separate apps. Although it's a little different express because you have sort of like your public because the system is kind of half on the client side and half on the server. Right. So you have, Mm, you have, that's a bit of a pain. Yeah. So it doesn't really work that you have stuff that the public folders and then you have controllers and services and stuff. And it's like, you're, what are you going to No, Now that you say that, that does make me think, oh yeah, that would be easier as separate apps, (laughs) separate repos when it's because I forgot, I'd forgotten about node the way that that it works. Yeah. So, but it's it's like, it's like everything, you know, it's like you want to modularize as much as possible. And this is just sort of modularizing things at a, at a higher, at a sort of a top down level. Um, but it's just, I've just noticed that I'm, there's a, I think there's a, there's a code quality issue um, w- with the size it's reached now. And I have to figure out a way to, to manage that a little better. 
So speaking of mm-hmm. speaking of code quality or related to that anyway, is how do you stay on top of bugs? Do you do you just have a log file that you check? Do you email, do you write it to log and also like sort of email yourself if a, if some kind of exception occurs? I mean, how do you how do you stay on top of stuff? I mean, it's 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 so um context dependent. Um so for something like modern teacher that's like a really old code base, you know, then obviously uh a, you know, Jira deep bug tracker. But for something like Morning Brief where it's kind of new just using a simple um oh what's that trello uh like a trello board and also tracking stuff backwards and forwards in slack between myself and joe no 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 no. i mean how are you alerted to when something happens with it you know oh well so so on the um basically in it just gets logged i mean it's just just gets logged in the laravel laravel log but if if something breaks for someone i mean it's going to say there's a 500 error um but what what i haven't put in place yet is um proper inspiration in, in introspection alerts that's definitely something that that i need to do i know that joe's got that going on with his stuff um and you'd have to for his stuff because it's all you know unseen it's all sort of just we'll see, there's no ui <laughs> we'll see that's something that i have not done a good job with uh in the sense okay. that i find out like a problem happens from a student or, or sometimes from the instructor that a student contacted Right, so I get the instructor says, "Hey, okay. so one of my students didn't get an assignment, and then I find out their assignment broke three days ago." Right. Well, that's or, or, yeah. or two days ago. Or do you, so, do you have a plan? Yeah. So, and 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 I don't like make a habit of logging into the server and looking to logs unless somebody reports something, and I got to go figure out what the hell went wrong. Right. And the, the log file there 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 are some like noisy things, stuff that throws an error that really shouldn't throw an error. It's like a, you know when a when a when a one of our content writers is trying to create an image and they're putting in invalid syntax and thing won't generate right, and so that that kind of clogs up the log files, which a bunch of like non-error errors, right? <laughs> um, and then I have to go and find yeah. out like oh like there was an error creating a student's assignment because I forgot to update something somewhere and. You know, and so then I find out that five students over the, the over the past day and a half have something screwed up with their assignment, right? So that's not good. And really, I need to find that find out when that stuff happens immediately. And do you do exception caption catch? I do. I capture all the exceptions and then I log them to a file. But I th- what I think what I need to start doing is um, I just got to email my I got I got to just basically email myself whenever. An exception is is handled and, and, and written to a log. It are you to, on? Um, are you on uh, Amazon, AWS? Mm-hmm. Because you you because you can write to CloudWatch, I believe, um, or there's some logging thing that you can write to, and that makes it pretty easy to get alerts and stuff like that. But I know I know you. You're just going to go with the email option well, first, and th- that's exactly what I've done as well for for the thumbnail service that I built. Mm-hmm. It just sends me emails if exceptions happen. But at some point, you just get so many emails. It's like I just turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, forget it. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're getting on the order of I don't know five to twenty errors a day, like that's totally fine with your email, yeah. right? Because because you, if you're getting emailed, you're going to be like, damn it, I need to fix this because I don't want to get these stupid emails. Either if it's not an error, I need to get in there and handle that so that it doesn't throw an error, or I need to fix this because otherwise I'm going to get these stupid emails, right? Which and it's it's easy to ignore errors when you don't know about them, <laughs> right? Or yeah. you're not being notified. Yeah. And um, obviously, I can write an email thing um, in you know 
20 minutes. I was just I was just thinking about this over vacation. I was I've been feeling guilty about this for a while cuz I really haven't been doing it and I'm in just like you know yeah, it's just one of those things I've been negligent about that I got to fix. And it's one thing when you don't have any paying customers and you know um but when people are actually paying money for it, it's like, you know, you 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 really want to make sure that you're you're on top of this stuff. Do you use any job service? Do you do do you do anything with jobs right now? I don't, but um, I've been thinking about some jobs, or you know, basically cron cron jobs, right? That go through. No, I'm, I mean like um, I don't know. Say for example, I'm talking about job service where instead of processing them in the existing request, you sort of push them to a job queue, and then they get pulled into the job queue and get processed later. I ha- could be a couple of seconds later, but I haven't. I haven't. I haven't really. We haven't really had to. Um, I think that's something you have to do when either a your um, the the jobs take more than you know a couple hundred milliseconds or something, um, or your or there are periods where you have a ton of those those requests coming in all at one time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't either of those are both of those cases aren't really something I've had to deal with. I mean, most things run pretty instantaneously, and or you know it's like what we got like 150, 200 students or something using the system. And yeah. usually they're using them at different times and, you know, they're not continually like answering questions every second. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so it hasn't been an issue now. It will become an issue, but there is also, I mean, that's, you know, I was telling you about that, that knowledge graph algorithm um, earlier. Um, you know, one of the, some of the initial earlier implementations would take like a minute to run. And right. we got it down to like, five, six seconds, and then I think we're getting down a little quicker. Part of it is like doing, using some really slick math to sort of approximate things. Um, but we need to get this stuff down into, you know, matter of hundreds of milliseconds if you if you want to consider running it in real time. If it's going to take, you know, on the order of half a second or much less two or three or four or five seconds, like that's got to be in a, in a job queue of some kind. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so well, how do you deal with something like... Um sending you know report emails to students or something like that you don't th- don't do that with with jobs you just like have a like a cron script or something that runs yeah once a day or something yeah yeah got it old okay. school i mean yeah, i mean it's like a yeah just a job script i mean what, so, so, what's it what's what's i mean what's i mean a cron script so really it's a big is, loop is it so it's a, it's 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 one cron script with a big loop that sends to all of the students yeah it does is a query right? pulls out all the students you know information constructs all the instruction emails for them and, and sends them out, you know, I mean, Got nothing it, runs right. in, you know, a few seconds, you know, I, I probably, it takes 10 or 20 seconds, but that's because it's sending an email, a weekly report for 200 students who are in, you know, seven different classes. Well, that's, that's, that, that's the kind of thing where when you've got your thousand students, you know, or your 2000 students, you'll, you'll want to do the job queue to, to send to, to so your first script will just sort of loop, pull the, the rows from the database and then it will just create jobs mm-hmm. and then each job will be sending one email as it were. So what's, so, okay, so let's just talk about this then. Okay. So what, so why does it matter if you wrote, if you ran it as a job, as a, as a cron job versus some other type of job management service? And what's the, well, so if you, if you, if you imagine doing um, a cron job and running one script that sends a thousand emails, basically uh, it's a, it's a single point of failure. So, um, you know, it could use up a lot of memory in the server. There could be a lot of problems. It could crash halfway through that script. There could be any number of reasons why people don't end up getting emails. 
but if you if you just have like i guess what i call a supervisor mm -hmm. so a supervisor goes in and pulls in a thousand records that need to get done then it just does a quick loop and it doesn't do any processing whatsoever but it just sends jobs onto the job queue each each job is one job and then because they're own their own little discrete packets um the point of failure is just on a per email being sent basis so you're so you've got a point of failure on the the supervisor script, but that probably isn't going to go because it barely uses any memory. It's just doing one select, and then you've got a point of failure on each of the emails that get sent out as a job. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I do something similar, you know, the the crypto trading project um, for our, mm -hmm. our 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 um, basically pulling down and processing all of the data. Um, which it, it yeah. just runs continuously, and, and that's that works in sort of a, a job concept, but it's all it's all sort of um, custom done, right? I mean, it's not like um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not really a job because it runs continuously, but it it keeps a, a record in the database, the status of the download for a particular symbol for a particular um, uh, exchange for a particular day, and then it just like retries a certain so, times and whatever. So in the in the the way that. The, it's set up with Laravel. I don't know if this is how you do it with Node, but what happens is like we've got like you know ten servers, and then each server r uh, uh, runs a worker, and mm -hmm. so the worker looks at the job queue, which is like an Amazon SQS queue, mm -hmm. and it just it just sort of constantly listens for a new job. Then the the supervisor script sends a sends a packet says, okay, here's a new job. It's it's this person, uh, you know, send send the brief, and then the worker just sort of grabs that. Uh, essentially argument input and then just does it and so that's why it's cool because you've got you can have 10 you can have 20 you can have 50 workers that are just there just listening ready to pick up the arguments that are sent onto the job queue right now so you know i've done something similar to that i mean i didn't use a particular job service or anything like that i mean it would just it would just pull a database and if it, if there was something available to do it would do it if it didn't it would sleep for you know however long and then it would try again see, check and check the database you know it's like hey is there something for me to do um yeah. is that what you did or do you use some kind of job it's, worker library it's that so 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 basically um with with laravel you sort of get this built in uh, worker library mm -hmm. so so um a, a, the the job queue itself like amazon sqs simple queue service yeah. basically it's just this sort of ongoing imagine this queue in the ether and you send a job to the queue and the job has um the arguments that you want so you know it might say user id and it might say brief id you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. and then it's just when it becomes available it's almost like your um think of it like your um, high frequency trading stuff like where once the data becomes available, the worker pulls it. Mm -hmm. So it pulls that packet of work and it's got, okay, he, here are the arguments that came in. You know, it's a user ID and it's a brief ID. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to, I'm I'm the uh, brief sending job. Like, so it sort of roots through because mm -hmm. one of the things that the job says is what what is this job? Yep. So that's in the packet of information. So it says, okay, you are a send, send the brief to the user job. Mm -hmm. So then it comes in and it's just like, okay, who do I send it to? It looks at the user ID argument, it looks at the brief ID, and then it goes and sends it out. So the part that I'm doing 100% exactly the same as what you just said is what I call a supervisor, which is just every minute it looks into the database and says, okay, is there like a new, is there a new brief that I need to send? And it just does that by looking at a user and seeing, okay, is, is this now the time to send their next brief? Right. So that checks it every minute. It's checking, it's checking every minute. And then if it sees something, it says, oh, I need to create a new job. 
and it then creates a job, sends it to the job queue, and then one of the 10 workers can pick it up and process it. And so it's, it's the fact that you can add 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 workers that gives you that, that sort of exponential scale. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's the, the sort of point of the job queue model, I guess. Right, right. Well, I'll look into the uh, simple... I mean, well, the thing is, is like um, for server, like how are you, are you, is this a serverless thing that you're doing or is this like, are you, are you tying these individual servers that are running the job queue or what's, well, so, uh, so basically you, you have like, um, well, the way, the way that with, with Laravel is, it's all kind of the same code base. So you can, you can test it locally. You, you, they, Laravel has a, a thing called Artisan that's like a little, um, mm-hmm. a little, uh, I guess, a headless version of Laravel. Mm-hmm. I guess the whole of Laravel is headless, but it's like a CLI, you know, com- command line interface yeah. type of thing. So basically that, you just run that and it listens for jobs. But probably we should, I'll just show you it offline because I, I think it's getting too much in the weeds for the listeners. Right, right. But um, yeah, I'll just show it to you. And it's, it's, a, very, it's a very standard pattern. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe it could be cool for you one day. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, we'll... First things first, but yeah, I, th- I think um, yeah, I, I probably need to come up with some um, some uh, a, a, more of a job a formal job queue um, solution for some of the stuff that we're going to be doing, especially the knowledge graph updating. I think because I don't I don't know if we can get it down to like you know hundred milliseconds or whatever, but the um, it's one of those things where you're you're going to come back to me like I don't know four months later. And you're going to say, okay, I know this, I know this, I know this. You're going to like show me this whole new way of doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. The, 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 the most important thing right now, though, is I got I to gotta start, I got to stay on top of these bugs, I've decided. And I can't like look back, like look back at a log file from two or three days ago and go, oh, crap. <laughs> that happened? I didn't even know that happened. Right. Uh, that's, yeah. that's not good. Um, so do you remember the walking desk saga? Well, I remember you bought one and then you put it in incline and then you blow out your Achilles and you can like walk for like <laughs> yeah. three or four or five. Couldn't months like or walk for a month or something, right? Yeah, is there a part well, two to the story? It's, it's Walking Desk two point Uh oh. Basically, um so we have been as I mentioned, I think last show, we've been gardening quite a lot. Okay. And one of the things that we've been doing is uh mulching. Okay. Basically put putting mulch over this whole over the whole garden. Okay. And I mean like a lot of bags of mulch, like a right. hundred bags of mulch. <laughs> so I have been carrying these things, you know, not really paying too much attention to it. And I think that I have like, well, I'm, I'm I've got mulching elbow basically. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, it really hurts. Uh, it's, it's like, it's like, I think it's tennis elbow basically is what is I've on got. The, is I've, it on the inside of your elbow or the outside? Imagine like... Um, one's golfers and one's tennis elbow. I imagine think. like um, 30 pound plastic bags. So not too heavy, you know, mm-hmm. but then, then grabbing the grabbing the plastic bag with your, just like, just grabbing it and then ca- with, with no handle and just sort of carrying it around the garden and doing yeah. that like a hundred times. So whatever kind of injury that might create. Repetitive. It's basically repetitive stress kind of injury or something. Yeah. But also it's the squeezing and the holding of the tendons to the bones kind of thing. But yeah. So now oh, you're, yeah. so what are you, de- are you debilitated now? Are you like, why? It's it, like literally last night I couldn't even type. <laughs> oh like, God. I couldn't even use the computer. It was like crazy. Oh, that's but, not uh, good. But this morning it's feeling a bit, yeah, I know, I know right? <laughs> it's that's like not a, good. Yeah. You need you need to get insurance on this stuff. Right, you need to have someone else <laughs> mulching your yard. Maybe maybe that would be a better idea. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I can't work yeah, anymore because so, I'm 
had to do some <laughs> stupid mulching, right? God. Right. What were you mulching? What are you? <laughs> but what, are you guys, been... what are you guys gardening? Well, no, because um, you know, out here, like um, the ground is very dry. Like it, even though it's it's quite green around in the sort of mountain area, the dirt is very sandy in a way. Mm-hmm. Like um. So it, it just doesn't look that great. It sort of looks like a bald eagle in a way if if, mm-hmm. if ground could look like that. So we're just putting this uh, covering on the whole ground to just make it look, seem more, um, I don't know what the word is, just just less dry and mm-hmm. and, and gross looking. Okay. Um, but it looks amazing. So this is all just, like, this is all landscaping. This is, you're not like growing tomatoes. Or yeah, something. landscaping. Yeah, that's exactly right. I yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah, I never, I never thought of you as much of a landscaper. So this is... <laughs> me too it's it's a new experience yeah all right <laughs> so so, so how, how about you any things you wanted to talk mm, about let's see so i'm teaching um i've been teaching early calculus so oh, my okay. youngest of three so early isn't going into eighth grade and she is going to be doing the uh she's in math academy and she's gonna be doing bc calculus next year mm-hmm. and i thought you know why don't I give you kind of like a quick run through of the big ideas and get some of um, some of the core skills embedded? That way, next year will be much easier for her. Because um, on, on the scale mm-hmm. of on the aptitude scale, she's probably in the lower quartile, um, which means she has to work a, a bit harder. Um, and okay. I don't want it to be a stress for her. And so I was like, you know, why don't why don't I just kind of do? It? And it's and so. She wasn't thrilled about the idea because <laughs> she's like in summer. <laughs> I bet. And I said, no, no. I said, well, we'll just we'll just do like thirty minutes a day during the week. We'll just sit down on the whiteboard and we'll just do some stuff. And so it's so I want to make it like painless. I want to be literally sit down and make her do a bunch of problems or something. And um, one thing I found is it's amazingly how quick you can teach somebody something when it's one on one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just incredible. So it's like we've gone through and she's already you know like did all, pretty much all of differentiation and is doing a lot of, you know, like advanced integration techniques. I told her like the last thing we did was integration by parts and you substitution, all this stuff. So, I mean, I'm not going to try and cover everything in a BC calculus course cause that's a lot and, and it's unnecessary, but I just want her to get like the core skills down so that it's uh, you know, like it's sort of second nature where the kids are like, you know, because the, the quickest kids are going to pick this stuff. They pick it up really quickly. Right. And, and I just want her to be like not be frustrated or, or overwhelmed. And I think I've, I'm mm-hmm. having a situation where, you know, she'll be like, by the time they cover some of the stuff, it'll have gotten kind of rusty. But she'll be like, oh yeah, I kind of I remember this, you know, as opposed to like, what is what is this teacher talking about? I I don't even understand what they're doing. So that's been kind mm-hmm. of that's been kind of fun. Of course, it's it's for me. It's just an opportunity to geek out, teach math, and. Um, and spend a lot and spend some time with my daughter, which is which is fun. Um, That's nice. Yeah. So, were you doing that on vacay? No, I we didn't do it on the vacation. I threatened, but she just <laughs> I decided. <laughs> she, you know, she 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 early. So my my oldest two are sort of like getting them to do stuff is difficult. But early is like always willing to help out and do stuff like she is like a we, we call her sandy's lieutenant because she's always on top of everything and she's calling <laughs> Sandy first thing in the morning and you're like we're at the vacation she's like okay so i've got up i got izzy to get the shower at what time are we gonna meet downstairs like she's like <laughs> on it right it's like she's like, like a, a counselor in training or something right and um so dealing with her is always 
is always easier. Um, thank God, because if we had three like Colby and Izzy, it'd be like, let's uh, <laughs> just be too much. That would be tough. Yeah, yeah. but um, oh, and the other good news, Colby. Colby had to. You, do you remember Colby took the BC calculus exam when he was in eighth grade, and he yeah. had a three out of five. So a three is passing, but if mm. you're going to present yourself as this like math whiz. A three would be like, you know, if you're applying to the top schools, they'd be like, that's okay, I guess. But I thought this kid was a math wizard, right? And yeah. they don't they don't have an ask, an explanation like, oh, he was like uh, 13, year olds, 13 years old when he took it. Yeah. Or something, right? They don't know that. They just see a three. And so we had to have him retake yeah. it. And um, he retook it last year as a, as a, as a uh, sophomore during the pandemic. And the thing is, during the pandemic... It was it was free response only. Usually, it's half multiple choice, half free response, and he's not mm. as good at free response because you actually have to write a lot and explain your thinking, and he does not excel at that. <laughs> you know, mm. it's like he's like, "This is the answer." I'm like, "No, no, no!" Like that's not that's not what you do. You have to explain. You have to write things out. You have to read. And there's three parts to the question. You know, and he just does everything in his head and doesn't always read second and third parts of the question and just rushes through everything and you know just to my endless frustration and so he 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 (laughs) took it last year and got a three and i'm just like oh god like this is (laughs) this is not good and so i made so sandy signed him up to have him retake it this year and he didn't even really study for it like a week it spent like a week at most taking some practice tests but he got a five he got a perfect score so okay that was a huge relief i'm like oh (laughs) third time's the charm Right. That's right. Well, it was it was back to a normal, even though they took it. I guess no, he took it on location to the school, but it was back to the normal, you know, the the standard, uh, you know, whatever three hour exam as opposed to before it was like this compressed hour long exam and stuff. So it was, it was, um, yeah, that was great. So that was a that was a good win because for him, if he's going to apply to places like Carnegie Mellon, they're in there. You're going to be some sort of math computer science person. They're going to sort of expect you to be getting a, a five, if you, especially if you say you're this math academy kid who did all this advanced math, right? It'd be kind of weird if yeah. you if you say, oh, you know, I've done, you know, abstract algebra and topology, but I didn't do that great at the BC. People would be like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, what, what, is, what is going on with this application, right? Whereas well, if, if, you, if you max out the BC, then it's like, oh, okay, so this kid is like this really, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the BC is the extra, the extra one. That's, that's the that's the most advanced, the, 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 of the gifted one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not gifted. It's just Makes there's sense. two. There's two. Well, first of all, the AP, the AP tests are the college credit tests. Those are college level courses in theory, right? And there's an AB and a BC. The a, the BC is the more advanced one. It has like you know forty forty percent more material or whatever. And anyway, it, the the point is, it's just. Um, it was a good thing to get done. We were on vacation and we got it like the first day of vacation. We're like, yes, <laughs> God, get that off the, off the books. So let's see. I'm trying. I wrote a few notes down of things that were worth, worth bringing up. Um, oh, um, so the, 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 um, the, the Washington post is going to do a follow-up story on math Academy. And, mm-hmm. um, so he's oh, been great. he's been calling he was emailing me he's like giving me one update and everything so I had to write this long thing about all the stuff that's happened and he's asking he's been emailing well, what are the latest AP scores for our eighth graders which I don't have yet because most of them took it in the June and they don't have the scores back yet but um, one of the things that I'm going to send him is um, that 
Riley, you you remember Riley? He was in our uh, in the Catalyst. Yeah. He's a he's in Colby's group, yeah. and for the summer, he's doing he's working as a research assistant for one of our math uh, instructor or, or you know math academy instructors who's a mathematician. And so I'm like, okay. So I, I asked him to send me something to give me an idea because I want to forward this to the Washington Post writer and say, hey, here's what one of our rising seniors is working on over the summer. Right. So I'm going to read you just the beginning of this because it's, it's only it's a long paragraph and it's probably hard to listen to. Yeah. But just to give you an idea of what Riley's working on, he says, he says, he says, um, hi, Jason, here's a brief overview of the work we've been doing. Quiver Grassmanians are varieties parameterizing sub-representations of a given quiver representation. <laughs> That's the first sentence. Yeah. <laughs> what? They are direct generalizations <laughs> of classic Grassmanians of subspaces in a given vector space. After choosing a basis of the vector space, the classic Grassmanians admit a decomposition into affine spaces known as the Schubert cells. These correspond to all matrices with a fixed choice of pivot columns and their reduced row echelon form. Each quiver Grassmannian <laughs> embeds as a subvariety in a product classic Grassmannians. A natural question to ask. Yeah, okay, this is me. Yeah, this is a real natural question. <laughs> a natural question to ask is. These, <laughs> is, is, these, these kids are going to grow up into like the Avengers or something. Right. They're going to like be ruling the world. Yeah, you so guess a natural question to ask is how the image of this embedding interacts with products of Schubert cells given a choice of basis for the representation. Riley has written code to compute the equation describing this image for the Quivergrass meanings of pre-projective representations of generalized Kronecker quivers using a basis explicitly Jeez. constructed by Klaus Michael Ring, Ring, Ringo. Use, I'll just finish this. Because using this, Riley is investigating the combinatorial conditions describing whether the Quivergrass meanings Grassmannian intersects a given product of Schubert cells. Anyway, he goes on and on. But it looks like he's... Um, that Riley has some code that he's written to explore the spaces is coming up with some, some you, some new results that they're actually think they might be able to prove and write up into a, a, a formal math paper that they can submit to a That's journal. That's very cool. Which is super Crazy. cool, right? I mean, this is, this is kind of what one of those sort of reach goals, like what could we get these kids to do? And I've said, well, you know, I've always said we could have these kids maybe doing some, you know, a little bit of independent research. You know, and this overseen by our our, our mathematician instructors. Like, this is exactly what I was hoping that would have is, happen. Is um, is this the w the the sort of the direction of math that's like super mathy and you know where where you're talking about Abstract. like there's two types of mathematicians. There's like one there's one type of mathematician who's like a sort of uh, practical mathematician, and then another type where they're just like it's they're really deep into math. Yeah. Okay. So. You, you, you might break them into two schools, just as pure math and applied math. Um, right, but even right. the applied mathematicians are still very pure. So it's, it's still sort of a, you know, uh, <laughs> it's just, you would look at it and go, I, he's not like solving. Well, what's, the, what's this right here? What, what this would be pure. This is, this is pure okay. math for sure. Okay. And, yeah. you know, they're not solving some real world, you know, physics problem or, 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 or something like that. I mean, it's, um, Yeah. Um, now I, I thought I was interested in pure math. I discovered later in my college career that I was much more of a, a applied math was probably more my thing. Yeah. Um, even Justin, who's, you know, done a lot of graduate level math. I mean, he's, he, he considers himself much more applied. We call it like street, street fighting math. 
you know i mean it's <laughs> it's still advanced math it's still you know very sophisticated probability and linear algebra and you know things like that but it's it's in the effort of solving um, a real problem. So like the, this knowledge graph problem, the algorithms I talked about, I mean, it's, it's very mathematical and there's a lot of advanced sort of right. probability and things involved in that. Um, but it's solving a real world problem, right? And um, hmm. this is this is not, this is sort of like these mathematical objects that have certain properties and you're trying to discover sort of patterns and, you know, I don't know. But um, it's really cool. I mean, the thing is that of the four, so there are five kids who are in the math academy, the the most advanced age group, which is Colby's group. And mm -hmm. I would say that Riley is the most likely of that group to be sort of major in math, as you can tell mm -hmm. by doing this, right? I mean, he would... Riley, yeah, that's crazy. Riley would be in a position to to be you know, well into his undergraduate math career if he wanted to and start, you know, continuing doing math research as a freshman, which is, which would be pretty spectacular. Um, Colby is more pure computer science. Um, I think he, yeah. he likes math and he's good at it, but I don't think Colby would find this uh, super interesting. Um, whereas Colby's, I think Colby's, you know, closer to me and that he wants to, he wants to build build real stuff he wants to do stuff yeah he wants to do stuff he wants to build real stuff um yeah you know the other kids i i i don't, I don't know i mean i i really haven't had in-depth conversations about their just but i think i think they're all leaning more towards computer science than math but riley is pure math but here's the thing it takes a very particular kind of person to want to major in in math much less pure math right i mean even if you're even if you're highly quantitative and and these kinds of things come easier to you than than it is to most people, it doesn't mean you want to you know be discovering combinatorial you know decompositions of Grassmannian quiver. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah, it takes a it takes a it's it's a, it's a particular kind of taste. Um, but it's it's really cool to see what a kid like Riley is capable of given the right type of, um, you know, academic preparation and, and, um, and opportunity. So that's, just, this has been very kind cool. of, this is kind of exciting to see. So, yeah, let's see what else did I want to have on the list of things. What um, about, um, I, I'm curious to know what your opinion is of all the billionaires in space. Yeah. I mean, all I think the it's, billionaires going to space, blue origin, Jeff Bezos, uh, Virgin Galactic, Branson, yeah, I mean, I think it's we, I think it's good. I mean, look, I mean, if if you want the world to move forward, I mean, the government you, governments are not good at bringing prices of things down and making things long term sustainable. They can spearhead stuff with with you know huge amounts of funding and you know a lot of sort of national will. But in terms of like like you'd imagine like you know if the government was leading the um, I don't know the smartphone industry. What kind of smartphones would we have? We wouldn't yeah. have smartphones, oh right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, they certainly wouldn't be costing like a hundred, two hundred dollars, and everybody has one and has all this stuff on it, right? I mean, you know, we can we can have arguments about like, well, these systems still to close and these companies to be broken up. That's a whole another discussion. But you really want private enterprise to be taking over these things and running with them and finding um, finding a model, a revenue model that works. Right. Otherwise, it's just not yeah. sustainable. Otherwise, you're just so. Um, I think it's. I think it's great. You know. I mean. You know. I, I hear these really weird complaining things like, "Oh, we have. You know, people are starving or don't have. Or we have homeless problem or this and that." And it's like we're always going to have these problems. We're 
always, yeah. always going to have social problems. They're never going away. You're always going to have poverty of some kind or another. You're always going to have mental illness. You're always going to have people at each other's throats. You're, it's just it's just never going away, right? It's been with us for thousands of years. It's going to be with us for thousands of years. You're never going to have everybody's has everything they want. Everybody's all, everybody's all happy. Never going to happen. So does that mean that we shouldn't be in, um, that we should be like denigrating, you know, any type of company that are exploring any type of advanced scientific or technological enterprise? I mean, that's a horribly Mm -hmm. limited, depressing view. And I I think it's, they're just cheap shots. I think really they're just cheap shots. Oh, you know, you know, as if, you know, I think some jackass was like, oh, this, this money, unearned money, as if, if these guys did not create these companies, they did. Mm. They created these companies, right? Um, you know, where did this money come from? They, yeah, you know, th- there were other people that worked at these companies, but they, if it wasn't for them, these companies wouldn't exist. They created these companies. They created jobs. Exactly. They didn't, they didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, are they perfect people? Is every decision they made perfect? Did they give everybody everything that they deserved? Did they get? No. I mean, nobody's perfect. No situation's perfect. Things change. You know, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, for Branson, it's like, I think part of it is like, hey, I was able to, you know, it's like, is this stuff safe? If they didn't go, it's like, well, hey, if this stuff is so safe, why don't you go up yourself, right? And they go up, oh, yeah, billionaires in space. Like, you're going to complain. People are going to bitch about it no matter what, right? But, but, but I mean, Bezos doesn't exactly um, help himself when he, when he says something like, thank you, Amazon. Thank you, everyone who works at Amazon. You guys paid for all of this. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like, he's. I mean, yeah. it's true. If he, if he, if if Amazon did not make a lot of money, he wouldn't be able to fund Blue Origin, right? And right. if he didn't fund, if Blue Origin <laughs> didn't exist, he wouldn't be up there. So those are true statements. It does sound a little weird. <laughs> like, That's right. Like anybody really, especially cares. with stories of people like you know Amazon Amazon warehouse workers peeing in bottles. So yeah, that they, I think some of that you know can get their hours in. Yeah, that stuff is kind of. I mean, you're always going to have kind of weird stories like that and you know what should should people in, in certain parts of the country and certain jobs be paid more maybe you know i mean if, right if yeah. there's a question if they if they if they aren't getting paid enough they don't have to work there either right i mean it's like i, I i'm not a big believer in this whole like you know i mean look but the bottom line is um yeah these guys by putting their by funneling their billions of dollars into creating um, these uh, these space companies, it's just going to create more jobs and more opportunity for more people in the future, mm-hmm. right? All the so. people that work at Blue Origin or uh, SpaceX or whatever, I mean, they, I'm they're they're really happy that those jobs exist, right? They probably wanted to work on sending rockets into space or whatever. They probably think this is super cool that these opportunities exist, right? There's only so many jobs at NASA. NASA hasn't really done anything, sent anyone into space or done anything in a long time, right? <laughs> There's a limited mm-hmm. number of government yeah. jobs doing that. I mean, we basically outsource that stuff to to uh, sending, you know, to the Russians, right? Using 60, 60 year old technology. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, here's the thing. People are going to bitch no matter what about everything. <laughs> it's like, who cares? I mean, it's like, um, 
I think what was it that I can't remember. Steve Yegi, I think was his name, and he had this great comment. He said, "On on Reddit, you'll never see more than two thirds of the people with upvotes, or two thirds of a story with upvotes versus downvotes." Yeah, and so yeah. you no matter what, which is weird. How can that be possible? <laughs> yeah, just just because of people. People are unhappy. People are unhappy for other people. Yeah. People are everybody disgruntled. <laughs> Not everybody. There's tons of people disgruntled about whatever and. Everybody went bitch and every you know it's like whatever man you know I don't care I mean you know you know has um, Bezos said some dumb things in the past yeah has has Elon Musk said some dumb things yeah you know yeah it's like I'm not an apologist for them I don't really I'm not saying they're perfect people or you know amazing in every way they're not my heroes or anything but I'm glad that we have you know, tens of billions of dollars being funneled into um, commercial space programs. I think that's really cool. I like being part of a world where, hey, we might actually have, you know, asteroid mining companies and we might space tourism and setting up a Crazy. base on the moon and so setting awesome. a base on Mars. That stuff is really cool, right? That sounds like, if yeah. what do we look at a thousand, what if someone says, hey, you know, if we look in the future, a thousand years of future, no, we, we, we stopped going into space. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, we did. That's the funny thing. We kind of did. That's exactly what yeah, happened. Yeah, real things really for like, stalled you know, out. Fifty years, right? Things really yeah, stalled yeah. out. Other than, and then, and it was like the only people sending stuff into space was like Russia. <laughs> you know, you could you yeah. could send your satellites up on our on our uh, you know whatever was it the um, Soyuz or what was what was the um, was that their type of rocket Soyuz rocket? I don't remember the name of it. Uh, it doesn't matter. Was but, there any other um, links China, that you had? Oh, or, um, things that you wanted to talk about. Oh, let's see. Well, I was just gonna say. Oh, we went and saw Black Widow. Um, oh, was did, that have you seen good? that? Not, no, not great. It was a disappointment. I, okay. I was kind of bummed about okay. it. I mean, you know, our family's a huge um, Marvel family. We've seen all of them, um, and a lot, of, most of them, more than once. And so, Sandy, Sandy got us tickets. We went and saw it. At the, was it the, the Chinese theater? Over in Hollywood, what's it called? Mm. I can't remember. It's not that the Man Chinese Theater anymore. It's Froman's. Like, is that what it's Froman's? They change it like every I th- five years. I, th- I think so. So it was cool because it was the IMAX. Or Romans. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was the it was the IMAX. So it was cool. And uh, although I say it was weird to be in a giant theater with a bunch of people not wearing masks, that was a little, you know, unsettling at times. You're like, is this really safe? <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. But it was cool to get out, and go. it was the first movie we've been to in you know whatever year and a half or something. And um, but it, the movie itself was not was not great. It didn't. Oh, it's just called TLC Chinese Theaters. Yeah, is that what it's TCL TCL. Chinese TCL. TCL. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Uh, but, but have you uh, are you still watching? I didn't get a chance to watch that show you t- spoke about, the Fast Zombies show. Oh, is it Black I've got to Check it out. Yeah, you should black, give it a shot. I think it's pretty good. I mean, if you like okay. that kind of stuff, if you don't like zombies or post-apocalyptic, then you're not gonna like it. If you're like, you're, if you think no, I want to check it out. If you like that stuff, but you're like me and you think most of it is poorly done and kind of sucks, and you're looking for something that's actually watchable, like, this, this is actually good. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, we started watching with the kids um, was Arrested Development. Did you ever see Arrested Development? Oh, but from the from the I haven't seen it, but I heard that the what the, the, like the original thing was really good, but the Netflix one wasn't quite. As yeah, good. the Netflix they sucked. I mean, so the original series I don't know if it was on for two or three years was is really funny, um, and then they they had like they came back they had like a like a 
they redid it, but you know, it was like it was like a Netflix. I think they did two of them, but they just they were really it was like unwatchable. It was bad. It was one of those things I was so excited mm. about, right? You're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. And they came back. You're like, wait, what is this? Wait, what is mm. this? It was it was just <laughs> it was just horrible. Um, but uh, we've been watching with the kids, and they're finally old enough to kind of you know get the jokes, and you know they're you know so obviously there's some off color stuff in there, but you know they're our kids are fine with it. Um, so re- mm. I would, I, I, if you haven't seen Rest Development, like you, <laughs> or you don't really remember it, I'd, I'd go back and watch it. It's really funny. And um, okay. you know what I'm thinking of? You know, it's like my favorite, the funniest thing, the funniest TV series that I ever remember seeing. And it was only like one season, and only half a season was something called Action. And it was in 1999, 2000 was the season. And it was about this Hollywood producer played by Jay Moore. And it was after he had had this big flop or something like that. And it was one of those things that was like, I would go, the next day I'd be like repeating some of the, my favorite lines of people and they would be cracking. Even me repeating a line from a movie was fine. <laughs> now people were cracking up. And I'm like, you know, I think it's on iTunes or something like that. So that's after we get through rest development, I think I'm going to inflict action on the kids. So I'd be curious if anyone else had seen action. Anyone remembers that they probably don't. Cause there was, I think they only had like 13 episodes. I'm sure I'm guessing, I'm, t- I'm cool. guessing you've never heard of it. Right. No, I have not. No. no, I would check it out. That's cool. But I think that's pretty much all I got. And we are over the two hour mark, I guess. So probably Let's yet, see, unless yeah. you have anything you want to talk about. Um, no, I think I'm good. I think yeah. I'm good. There's uh, that's that was that was good. Um, I hope it wasn't too much um, about uh, our stuff. I'd love to get some feedback from the listeners, <laughs> what they think. But uh, yeah, no, I think that was good. All right, cool. All right, so two two weeks from now. We'll do a do another two weeks from now, and I we should have done the the um the 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 free release the 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 one week free trial. So we'll have some stats about that. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Because I want to hear I want to hear how you guys are, and also before we go, how are you picking up users? What's your what's your growth strategy channel? Well, we're like so. Remember, I was t- telling you about a thousand launches. Mm. So basically, we've only done two launches so far, which is texting and compelling. And then the next one is going to be um, Nugget, the Nugget mailing list. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start content marketing. And just, I mean, honestly, so many ideas. Okay. So many ideas. Too much to, okay. to even say. Okay. Right well, now. I guess you can talk about on each one as you as you uh, introduce yeah. each new channel or, or as strategy. As you unroll it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, and, and you're going to do, well, last the question. I know, you've, I know you've probably talked about this before. I just can't remember. For how long are you going to do the lifetime, you know, fee as opposed to starting out like a monthly that's a really good that's a good point so um so i think that we that is going to depend on what happened because from from the mastermind group that i'm in Mm -hmm. they they sort of pointed out you know it doesn't have to be in either or or it can be actually a both so what what i'm going to do is um the free the free trial for seven days and then i'm going to offer the user the option to subscribe on a yearly basis for 60 bucks Mm -hmm. or subscribe for eight bucks a month or buy the lifetime subscription for a hundred. Okay. Um. So hopefully they'll see value in that, and then we'll just I just want to see what the percent the conversion you know percentage is, mm-hmm. and if a significant number of people take that, then I don't see any reason why we shouldn't sell up to five thousand of them. You know what I mean? If we can, because mm-hmm. that would be like um, a significant amount of money in the bank to to use, you know, to build a product. 
Right, right. Okay, well, cool. And also, I guess I want to be interested to find out once you've talked to some of your users about what they want in terms of like the summaries or whatever, if that turns out to be a thing. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting storyline, I think. So what, what do people really want out of this? Oh, there was there was one other thing. Um, Joe, this is a quick story about Joe. So in my in my brief, I got an interesting link about how someone had bootstrapped a side hustle to 3000 a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I went and read the story and saw that it was on this site called failery.com. Uh-huh. And um, it was a really good site. Like, this is a really good site, F-F-A-I-L-O-R-Y.com, that lists lots of people who've failed and they sort of go into the details of their story about why they failed. It's sort of like 50-50, you know, half of them, how they succeeded and what they did. And it's kind of cool that they've got these failures as well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, that's cool. So I slacked that to Joe, failery.com. And he sent me, he, he uh, LOL'd and sent me back a link to a page of his failure story. Ah. I'm like, I'm like, you tell me now? <laughs> <laughs> now you tell me? <laughs> what was his failure story? What no, was he, what did he do? Um, it was, oh, man. Um, oh, hold on a second, Doug. That's okay. Mix. You you could just uh, include a link. I guess. I'll put, we'll put it in the show notes. Put yeah. it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, and I thought it was just it was just funny. That's funny. Yeah. So you failed. How dare you? How dare you? How Joe? dare? No, I, but I was thinking, man. You know, Joe's got one failure story on there. I could probably put fifteen right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's counting, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We're out.